You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the geeks are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Three, two, one. Lasers. What's up, fellow brunchers? Welcome to Talk Brunch Live. November 4th, 2019. I'm your host, as always, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, and listening to episode 349. Co-piloting the brunch ship with me, as always, is Mr. Dustin Frazier. So, I'm not saying be excited, but uh, 21 days to the anniversary episode. Yeah, that's something to look forward to. I'm going to talk to you about details and plans for that. In the seat over, we have Mr. Sugar Shane. That's a great day to be alive, folks, ain't it? Yeah, absolutely. And to be in America where it's safe and sound. Oh, you beat me to it, <laughs> I'm glad to be on American soil. <laughs> With no delayed flights. Pillow and bed. Uh-huh. So tonight we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the wonderful experience, the Saudi Arabian nights. We're going to be talking about interesting updates with Jordan Miles and the racist t-shirts. We're going to talk about Joey Mercury being angry over Ring of Honor contractual obligations, changes with ratings, AEW, uh, the, the conference calls that Vince had with investors and various other things. That being said, shout out to all of you wonderful people in the chat room, including Willie V2, Kula Ice, Emang, Tickle, Stasis Dream, Joe Walcott, Spartan Jesus, and just joining us, Matt Squires, and also those currently listening to the live broadcast over at TalkMunch.com, and of course the rest of you who are currently listening on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, and other popular podcatcher apps. We're available on every digital audio provider, including SoundCloud. Just search TalkMunch. You can visit talkbrunch.com for that, plus social media links and replays of all content, as well as just ask your Alexa to play the Talk Brunch podcast. So, it's been one hell of a week, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> it, it went, who would have ever thought that Americans going into our essentially hostile territory where there are known murders and beheadings would cause uh, it to put our people in danger. I would have never imagined. All I'm saying is my flight on the outer world was not delayed. So just, just saying, just putting that out there. That's true. Mine either. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rick? You good? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm completely fine. Look at that. We out here. All right. I'm going to try my best to give the information. I'm sure you all heard bits and pieces of it, if not all of it by now. But we're going to go straight into the Saudi Arabia stuff and just try our very best. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if the bulk of this show is the Saudi Arabia stuff. Uh, just to give you some sort of a sequence of events here to the best of our ability. Take it all with a grain of salt because there's mixed reviews as always. That being said, prior to going to Saudi Arabia... 
Corey Graves spoke to Sports Illustrated and was quoted as saying, it's a long, grueling trip over there, but most of the talent like it because it's a pretty good payday. To me, it's super exciting to have these totally unusual attractions like Cain Velasquez, Brock Strowman, and Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman, if you take any sort of political feeling out of the equation. Aren't you, as a fan of WWE, aren't you curious and excited to watch these attractions? It is what it is. This is not about politics for the talent. It's about doing what we do best on the planet all over all over the planet. Everyone that works for any company has things they love and things that they don't love. But what we're all focusing on is having to fly back to SmackDown and Buffalo the next day. Man, did he realize the foreshadowing that he had said in this statement? <laughs> There's so much that he's talking about. There's just so much there. It's like literally open mouth, insert foot. We're getting so, there, uh, Mark, Jesus. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. We're getting there. We're getting there. I mean, it's just like an early onset of depravity. And just, uh, he has no idea what's about to come. <laughs> so, uh, apparently, Hulk Hogan had an issue with his plane because the wheels of his plane were busted. So, according to PW Insider, Brock Lesnar had his own plane so he uh he got Hogan, Flair, and Hart. I guess they stopped at Iceland or something where his plane messed up and Hogan, Flair, and Hart jumped on Lesnar's flight. So that's how they all got there together. So it's convenient when you have people, friends in high places that have their own planes. And that's going to come into play a lot tonight. Having your own plane when you travel. Even Laura Croft has her own fucking plane when she travels. And don't be foolish. So superstars were stranded in Saudi Arabia. It was reported that it was mechanical issues with the plane. Now, what makes this unusual is apparently they were seated on the runway. What did they say? For like eight to ten hours or something? Something like that. It was a long time they were there. That is a long time for... for <laughs> uh, I mean, considering that these people are experts at travel, they travel all the time. They get on planes constantly. They have shit rerouted. They know what to do when there are delays. Isn't it weird for them to be seated on a plane for eight hours? I couldn't do... <sighs> I don't. I, I have shifts where I work where I don't work eight hours. What the fuck? So, so they were seated on a plane. So again, we're going in order because it's more information. And I remember thinking that's interesting. Like you know, I wonder what what the hell's going on here. And uh, apparently, reports were coming out that they were detained in Saudi Arabia. They were. They were basically. They had to uh, wait an, an additional twenty four hours before they left. But WWE had people that were they were quoted as absolutely necessary for SmackDown. And uh, they they were trying to make arrangements for those people to come through. And uh, Vince McMahon apparently left before everyone else got delayed back at Saudi Arabia. They said he some some people are saying he left before he even knew what was happening, which we're going to get to what was happening. And uh, they got about they said about a dozen superstars actually made it out of Saudi Arabia. That being said, Fightful then reported uh, that Roman Reigns, Bobby Lashley, Nakamura, Bray Wyatt, Kofi Kingston, Big E, Dash Wilder, Scott Dawson, uh, and a few other people were the ones that got to leave Saudi Arabia. And then PW Insider reported that WWE was pissed off about this and that everybody from the top down was really angry about these delays. And WWE released a statement on the situation saying more than 175 superstars, production crew, and employees boarded a 747 charter flight back to the United States on Thursday. After the doors closed due to several aircraft problems, including mechanical issues, all passengers sat on the tarmac for more than six hours. With SmackDown set to emanate live from Buffalo, New York, several superstars felt so strongly that they arranged for their own separate charter 
in order to make it back to the United States for the show. Due to unforeseen issues, that charter will not land until after the live broadcast on Fox. Now, uh, this this statement was a, was basically received with a lot of negativity and controversy. There's a couple of reasons why. First of all, they throw people under the bus by saying that there that there were superstars that felt so strongly, you know what I mean, that they yeah. that they arranged for things as opposed to the ones that didn't is what they're basically saying there. You know? So that's one of the weird things about that. That it's just kind of like, you you know, you're making certain people look bad. There were some superstars that gave a fuck and others that did not is what they're saying, more or less. You know, so once again, they play the games of trying to, I guess, show some sort of favoritism, you know. And then we were also hearing that uh, that wasn't even the case. That statement was a kayfabe statement in a situation like this. Can you imagine that? That there's still kayfabe statements going on in situations like this? Fucking amazing. <laughs> and what I mean... <laughs> And what I mean by that is that no superstars actually wanted it so badly that they paid in order to go. WWE made that arrangement and then kayfabe the comments, making it seem like there were devoted superstars out there that paid for it. No, bitch. No. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get back into that a little bit later. But then obviously there were some angry tweets. Rusev tweets out. And he's like, at this point in time, we need all the prayers, brother. And I don't oh, know. Yeah, I saw that tweet. That doesn't sound like someone who's delayed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've never been delayed somewhere, and I've been like, "Oh Jesus in heaven, God." All I'm all I'm saying is I already have one episode titled "Saudi K Fabia." Wow, I like it. <laughs> yeah, me too. We're gonna get into the AJ stuff. Trust me, we got it all here. We got the AJ. Oh, dude, yeah. As well. Anything you think about it? Yeah, trust me. We're, gonna, we're, we're unpeeling this whole thing right here, right now. It's not gonna be a piece of information left by the end of this. You're gonna need to scour anywhere else for. So uh, Buddy Murphy tweets out and he says never again, which I would have said never in the first place, man. You guys are brave as hell for doing that. That's why it's so expensive. You know, Andrade tweeted out and said it was a bad day in Saudi Arabia. You know? <laughs> no Andrade Sianama's is bad day in Saudi Arabia. You know, I should make that. It'll be like a dude where's my car or a Bill and Ted oh journey God, type no. deal. You know, He's bad day, artist. bad day in Saudi Arabia. Unbelievable. Carl Anderson said he that you couldn't pay him enough to go back. And then he went he kind of reneged on that and said, Well, that's not true. I need a second pool, so but then his wife commented and said, Second house, not a pool, but don't ever go back again. We don't need our daddy poppy slash mother lover Ab Ab Sanderson she gave him a bunch of pet names anyway. <laughs> Being, Ab Sanderson be, me. being held hostage while we're at home worried to death. So she even just addresses it as blatantly being held hostage. Then you got uh, Brian Alvarez, who says that some people didn't think it was mechanical issues. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, I don't think it was mechanical issues either at that point. And uh, eventually they get everyone off of the plane. Apparently there were some reports, mixed reports on there being armed guards, armed security, something. Um, and Alvarez is quoted saying that all he knows is that there are people who have insisted that there were no mechanical issues and that that's not why the flight did not take off. The fact that several people left, that people left, that that, that got off and chartered a second flight. And now that one is also not going to make it back in time, I mean, we would have to believe that the flight also just happened to have mechanical issues. Which, yeah, that's two That's two different flights. He makes a good point. He's basically saying, so there was one flight with mechanical issues, yet the people who went for the other flight are still going to be late. So there were mechanical issues there, too. What's going on here? 
And uh, he says that the talent was told that they're probably not going to take off for another 12 to 14 hours. And he's been on flights before where there were mechanical issues and the issues weren't going to be cleared for up to several hours. And they were just taken off the plane and put another flight and and they left. So it's a really strange story. There's obviously more than they're being told. And he presumes that they're going to hear more about over the next 24 to 48 hours. And I agree. You know, I'm not I, I, I don't know what to say. There's no logical explanation to being on a plane that's not flying. There's no mechanical issue in the world. And it's not like there's just one plane in the world, you know? Exactly. It's just really weird that it's one plane and they can't get off of the island unless the, unless the one plane comes back. Just sounds very Hollywood, which it can't be. And then we heard reports that the White House was briefed and it was turning into an uh, international incident. Also strange. Also strange for a delay, don't you think? The White House, really? Okay. I'm getting a bit suspicious at this point. I didn't know that. Trump over here getting ready for his trip to (laughs) UFC 244 and then he got to deal with this shit? Come on, man. So then Atlas Air issued a statement. They said a charter WWE passenger flight operated by Atlas Air is currently delayed in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, due to mechanical issue. The flight was scheduled to depart at 0300 local time on November 1st. Our top priority is always to ensure our passengers arrive safely and on time at their destination. The aircraft is being repaired and will be inspected and certified before returning to service to transport our passengers to their final destination. We regret that operational disruptions delayed the flight and apologize to our passengers who were inconvenienced. So that was the official statement that was made. And then Shane Helms tweeted when they were ready to take off in their new plane and said he is to a great group of people that made the best of an unusual situation time to fly now getting delayed isn't unusual what what unusual situation is he talking about you know <laughs> it's unusual to be on 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 the freaking runway for that long i'll tell you that much and then pw insider said that uh after that their their flight was still delayed another two hours but we don't know why at that point it was maybe this plane also had mechanical issues they all do you know maybe the fucking air airport they're at is cursed were they at Denver Airport? <laughs> yeah, it's the newest. It's the, it's the it connects there. That's where the tunnel leads. Yeah, you know. So then here's some interesting information that started coming out from the various sheets. Uh, apparently in Saudi Arabia, the Crown Jewel pay per view, the fee to it was cut off. Some places are even reporting that it it started with like a one or two hour delay. Jesus, self it goes. Yeah, so. We find out the reason why this pay-per-view was cut by two hours is because uh, this is such a complicated situation. I'm just trying to piece this together. According to Bodyslam.net, uh, the Prince Mohammed bin Salman no-showed a meeting he was supposed to have with Vince McMahon when he got to Saudi Arabia. And at this meeting, they were supposed to talk about money that Saudi Arabia never paid WWE for the previous crown jewels. And... The guy no-showed this discussion, which, which pissed off Vince. So then, basically, Vince turned the feed off in Saudi Arabia. At least this is what's being reported. <laughs> While at Saudi Arabia, he just flicked the switch. I don't know how it works. There was a lever or whatever. Pew! But he turned the fucking pay-per-view <laughs> off on these people. You know? Because Vince doesn't give a fuck. He's not thinking rationally. I mean, I, as much as I, I love that the man has grapefruits, like, dude... They behead people out here. Are you fucking crazy? But apparently this is what happened. He, they, the, the prince didn't show up for this meeting about money, and he turned the damn pay-per-view off on them. Again, take this all with a grain of salt, but this report's coming from quite a few places, and it has been confirmed that that pay-per-view was delayed a couple of hours. I can't even imagine why. And this made a lot of the staff and people in WWE angry because they were, they were skeptical about this to begin with, 
you know, because they're worried about being able to make it to SmackDown all the way back in the States the following day, which is really bad booking, literally, as far as travel and everything. So the feed was off, thanks to Vince. And uh, Vince also, they said that Vince also said that they're not going to return until he gets the money that he's owed. WWE obviously has been doing their best to deflate these rumors, deflect these rumors, call it what you will. But they've been doing their best to just say, no, nah, no, nah, nothing bad has been happening so far. Like, we don't know anything about this. We have a great relationship with these people, which I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying that there's a lot of unexplainable shit all going on, you know? Exactly. Like, like that's the best that I can say, that I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying that it sounds strange, <laughs> you know? It's like having a kid come home late from a party. And certain things just don't sound right. You know, like there's just things about this that sound strange. It sounds like this piece is missing or, you know, there's booze on WWE's breath. You know what I mean? Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. So, uh, yeah, it was a scary situation for everyone involved. No one in this sounded like, oh, it's just a flight. Because often do you hear about delays to that magnitude where everybody sounds like they're worried about their lives. Not very often. And uh, this was what we first talked about when they first started going out there after the Jamal Khashoggi thing. We were all worried. It was just like, oh, boy, I hope that nobody else that we know is going to get beheaded next. Never thought I'd be a wrestling fan and have to worry about shit like that. I'm usually worried about who's going to have the title. But no, it's a new strange world we live in. Hope none of them get killed in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) You know, terrible stuff. So, uh, and then there were some confirmations to this. Which is really interesting. Remember that the, the former Spanish announcer, Hugo, how do you say his last name? Savonovic? Yeah, something around those lines. Yeah, sorry if I got that wrong. But, uh, you know, he basically, he has friends in WWE. And uh, he spoke to Hannibal about what they told him. And I guess he's giving an inside scoop. I'm going to let you guys hear this and link you, of course, if you're on demand. Very difficult and uh, dangerous situation. Uh, because of the fact that uh, Saudi Arabia had already been in, in serious trouble with uh, when they killed that the reporter in Turkey at the embassy. So the boys were a little bit, not a little bit, they were very, very concerned. Vince had left the country already and broke out his own plane. Uh, it was just about big, big money, millions of dollars, and Vince got upset, and he cut the feet for... Uh, South Arabia, and that uh, and that got him the prince upset, and it stopped him from leaving the country and got him off the plane. So basically, what they do it is they try, they were trying to originally make make uh, originally making the uh, it look like it was just a mechanical situation, but uh, an executive from the company who had called to to you know my wife had. Died, so they were just calling to comfort me at the same time. All that I was told was not, not, not to mention any, any names, but they were concerned. They were very concerned. And a friend of mine from uh, Saudi Arabia that I've known for years and years, since the era of the DHS tapes that I used to do from Puerto Rico, and, uh, and he also gave me the scoop about what happened on the, uh, at the airport. So, uh, a lot of people will be talking more about it. The boys are very upset. So I don't know what the deal is. Of course, we always know that money talks. And if Vince gets the, the millions of dollars, and maybe that uh, Middle East, the big TV contract, because it, it, it didn't happen, and one day he lost over $200 million. So it's a very complicated situation. But the talent was, was you know, 
I don't want to use the word kidnap, but you were in the kingdom, and the guys, uh, you know, were, were stopped from leaving the country. So it is, it is bold that it happened. Uh, so you're hearing right there, man, like from someone in the business that there was some shit that happened, you know? Exactly. So what are your thoughts on if this was done by by that happening? I wouldn't be surprised at the fact where it's like they cut the feed and it's like, okay, well, you cut the feed. Well, motherfucker, guess what? You're not going home. Like, to me, it's just really disturbing. Like, I don't know. When, you, when you're playing in overseas territory, especially in a country like that, you're abiding by their rules. I mean, you're taking a risk by going over there in the first place. I mean, it's it's not it's not apples and oranges over there. It's like uh, you're you know shut down quickly with a force, like you know, like compared to here. So exactly, and we, and we talked about before how they gave them complete control over everything over there, so they don't get to tell them no under any circumstance. Like if they say you're staying here. Fucking <laughs> like you I mean, right here. Like I'm gonna be honest with you. This this the Saudi Arabia, it really sounds like Saudi Arabia in, in this play sounds like the pimp out of the whole deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you don't want to mess with these dudes, man. It gets pretty crazy. And yeah, I'll get the links up later. The damn brunch bot's not sending out tweets for some reason yet again. So I'll put them up after the, the show's over, but so you guys could get the Hugo. Uh, talking about what was happening there. So they owe between 300 and 500 million. That's a lot of money that they were unpaid, assuming that that report is correct. And this is the right reason he turned it off. I'm hearing two reports, one that he turned it off in the middle and one that before it started, so they were on delay or something. I'm not exactly sure what was going on here. And uh, this is the reason why the prince apparently ordered that the superstars be taken off the flight, and I don't know how that works. And uh, if you if you guys ever heard the story of Cliff Compton, when he went to, uh, I forget it was South Africa somewhere, and he, he was, they, with the whole Power Woody thing, and they were almost stuck out there. It's worse than that. You know, if you didn't hear it, you owe it to yourself to hear it. But, uh, yeah, no, this is, uh, this is definitely a shocker going on here. And, uh, obviously the prince was visibly pissed about this, you know, if, if he did, assuming he did stop it. And a lot of the superstars were upset. They said they couldn't believe that Vince left them stranded there, assuming because there, there was speculation that maybe Vince knew that this was going on and he was like, I'm getting out of here. It's funny because when I, when <laughs> I know it's not, it's, it's a, it's a serious situation, but when I hear the version of in some people's heads that Vince knew and got the fuck out, I can't help but visualize the camp WWE Vince getting in the fucking plane and getting out, you know? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> like if it went that way, you know, because there's some people who said, no. Vince, of course, they've decided this is Vince would never leave his guys like that if he knew the severity of the situation. But when I think of just the version, assuming that's the other version, the guy who just went, Let's get the <laughs> fuck out of here, <laughs> you know, he took off, leaving it's everybody, like, you know. You know what the bad part about it is? Like he does the fucking, music in the background. And the best part is he does the fucking Kevin Windham. What, what was it? The uh, it was the oh god, the guy. The guy who Jerry Law was shooting, he did the fucking laugh. Six is oh, out the window. Um, oh, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> what? No, it, it was the guy who told um who said the interview that I think it was like Jerry Law had sex with a twelve year old girl or something like that. Oh, oh, um, oh, something Gilberty, right? Doug Gilbert, yeah. Doug Gilbert, he's just up to Doug Gilbert. Yeah, you're stuck in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Vince is not what kind of guy? You don't think Squires? You don't think he's the kind of guy that would leave? Uh, that would leave his people there? Is what you're saying? I I mean I don't get the impression that he is. So yeah. see, it's the easy way to think that he would, but no, I could I, I couldn't see that. Yeah, I I don't know. There's like I said, there's so many mixed things going on here. Uh, Dave Meltzer was saying that a lot of superstars lost respect for Vince because of that reason, or because they felt that uh, you know, they were being used in a power play. You know, and he said that uh, the charter flight is complete bullshit. Again, take Melsa's stuff with a grain of salt. And uh, Melsa is also the one who reported. He said that that statement that WWE initially released where he was saying that uh, there were talent that felt so compelled to make it on time that they arranged for their own flight. He said that that was complete bullshit. He said that uh, it was WWE who arranged for the flight. And that story that only certain number of superstars felt compelled enough to get back was... was uh, pretty much pissed off the superstars who were still stuck in Saudi Arabia. According to Body Slam, only 22 people, including Vince, were able to get out of Saudi Arabia before the prince grounded the flights, you know, and uh, then they were told to go back to their hotel until the prince can figure out what he wants to do with them. (laughs) Now, listen, unless I'm unless I'm watching Raiders of the Lost Ark or playing fucking Prince of Persia, that's the last thing I ever want to hear in this world is that Go back to your hotel until the prince can figure out what he wants to do with you. Right. <laughs> you should never be in that situation in 2019. As much as I love wrestling, if you're ever in a situation because of your employment that ends in a scenario where they like hold him until the prince can figure out what to do, you should probably change fields. Holy shit. Where's Taker when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to all be for you Taker when he came, right? <laughs> you imagine that? Oh, man, Taker wouldn't be having that shit. And Meltzer went on to report that there are people that are never going back and that they can't wait to get out of the company now. They're dying for their contracts to end. They almost did die for their contracts to end. Yeah, they almost died for their contracts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this shit is becoming like Starship Troopers, you know? They have, they're they're oh, recruiting fuck. these people, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, though. They, they said that uh, there's a lot of people that are just really upset. And that they're trying, and that they're trying to, apparently there was speculation more from Meltzer saying that they're trying to get talent to say publicly that there was a mechanical failure. But nonetheless, they were not paid. That's not speculation. So there's something with the pay going on there. We're going to get into the investors call later on, which they had to sort of ignore that issue, which there'd be nothing to ignore if there was nothing there. As of September 30th, they got no money. They got $60 million before eight in the morning on Halloween, a couple of hours before the show started, is what we're being told. So the, the Saudi Arabia was doing that, I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today bullshit. Hell no. <laughs> I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Oh, Lord. And, uh, yeah, they said military police were there. They said that uh, the talent were told that money was owed. And then afterwards, according to Meltzer again, they said money was owed, but then they went back and told, no, it's actually, there's a mechanical failure. That's a long leap from money was owed. <laughs> and yeah, they didn't understand why it would take 24 hours to get out. If there's a delay and there's no storm and there's no weather condition, if it's physically just one plane, why would it take that long to get out? You know, because of the three, 300 to $500 million that they owe. So you shouldn't take that stuff on a... On a promise, that's a lot of money. Fucking Squire says Prince Wimpy, I'm done. So there's speculation going <laughs> on that WWE might got might have gotten screwed out of that money. <laughs> yeah. uh. So 
yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of people that, that feel that this was, that they were pawns. It's being quoted as pawns in a dick-waving contest. You know, there was someone anonymously who said that within the company, that they were pawns in a dick-waving contest. And uh, no, no one can figure out why it would take 24 hours. And uh, Natalia, Lacey Evans, and Lana, those are all the people that were on that flight that made it out. They were on the immediately we got to get out of here flight, which I can't blame them. Yeah, so scary stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't uh, Bobby Lash and and, uh, Lacey Evans former uh, military? Yeah, both of them are. I'm almost positive that they are. So it's like, those are the first two people I would have went to. (laughs) So um, there was a lot of reports. This opened up old wounds, though. That's one of the scary things about it, because we always talk about stuff on here that can never be confirmed because they're always hush hush with uh wwe but remember when brad shepherd reported that renee young was yelled at in saudi arabia by religious police and then they denied it now it's coming to light maybe that was one of those things that was covered up you know at the time that's what was said people were saying hey look this was this was happened but now they're saying that it didn't happen they don't want to talk about the awkwardness of the things that really did happen you know there's been a lot of other reports if you look back where you now have to wonder just how much of the stuff was was covered up you know, 24 hours is a long time, and there's not been, like, a rational explanation yet. And all I'm saying is that they could should, could have easily diffused this right away. The amount of time it took for anyone to say anything is also strange, you know? Because this, this spanned the entire weekend where facts still were coming out and dripping out up to this Monday. <laughs> Mark and Matt got me. <laughs> oh, my God. In the chat. <laughs> uh... That's, That's awesome. Dude. What would you do for a Saudi bag? <laughs> yeah. And oh. There were other people who were pissed off, mainly because of that whole thing where they selectively chose people to fly away. You know, uh, Curtis Axel put not the hashtag top 20 with a middle finger emoji. And he said, I'm number one at home. We don't leave each other behind. And then he tagged WWE. <gasps> you know, Luke Harper um, put a um, post up that said, Larry, I'm home. I guess I didn't want it enough to pay for my own charter, but I'm home now. Hashtag not top 20. So, uh, <laughs> you know, their own superstars are taking shots at them. Like, that's incredible. So, yeah, they're basically Going saying, they're, they're basically saying, hey, motherfuckers, you left us out here. You know, you think we're just going to be quiet about it. <laughs> you know, and we're hearing that, that, uh, Brad Shepard. Is reporting that Andrade, Cien Amos, Braun Strowman, Rey Mysterio, Roman Reigns, and Kofi Kingston all told Vince McMahon that they will not be going back to Saudi Arabia. Good for them. Good for them. Hmm? Effective. Yeah. So uh, Tyson Fury, I think, was also one of the people who managed to get on his own jet and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Nobody yeah. noticed him long enough. Knows he was still going. <laughs> yeah. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and Brock Lesnar. I'm assuming he left on the same plane that they had originally all gotten there on. So uh, Vince, Kevin Dunn got out of there right away in their private jet. Paul Heyman, Jimmy Hart was also with Hogan, so, you know, he got out of there. I uh, left Kevin Dunn. Yeah. So he basically, Vince directed people on social media to get videos from talent stating that there's mechanical issues. Like Vince was saying, look, get videos of the talent saying, oh, these mechanical issues suck. I don't know. I don't know how he wanted them to sell it. (laughs) You know. (laughs) (laughs) But they they definitely were told to, you know, 
for whatever reason, hey, listen, you got to talk about these mechanical issues, man. It's really important. Thank you for the host, Hard to Kill, Jay. Yes, thank you, sir. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. Like, that's a lot of people to get left behind. Cain Velasquez was there, basically. And uh, they said that the guy actually has pretty liked in the locker room. They said he was a good sport about everything. And he got more respect for them for being one of the guys that toughed that shit out with them. So, uh, you know. And uh, as you guys already know who watched uh, SmackDown, the way that they handled this was by having this flying the NXT superstars in, which, by the way, we're going to get into what happened, but apparently they just made it. It wasn't like, oh, don't worry, we got this. It's kind of like when, oh, this, yeah. when you saw Shayna on screen is when Shayna got there. Like, they just made it by the skin of their asses with that, with the way that things were laid out there. It was so, if you had any idea how close it was. Uh, but one of the referees, Jason Ayers, he tweeted out, the show must go on. Just before yeah. it started, and then Rusev tweet, tweeted back, "What?" with a good exclamation point <laughs> and a question mark, and then Ayers responded by deleting that show must go on tweet. So yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's awkward, man. You got a company where people are pissed. There's a real Survivor Series going on, and it's not the one. Oh, you stupid! <laughs> you know, this is the real Survivor Series. You've been training for so, this one. <laughs> So you guys, you guys think they'll they'll have uh, war games after? Oh think, no, I, you fucking did! Uh, I wow, think having, I think they're having war games now. <laughs> we in war games. We need William Regal. We need we, we need we, that's what we need. We need Regal to airport the second it got to about hour twelve. War games. You know we're gonna we're we're, we're just a few beats away from needing Stark Industries to pull us out of this shit. So get ready. Oh, shit. So the NXT superstars arrived extremely late. They uh, they basically uh they their charter didn't land until seven fifty five p.m. and then the police had to escort them to the building. So they're probably all running, you know, shoulder and shoulder with the cops, kind of like Michael Jackson used to do back in the day. Ah. <laughs> They like, again that when you saw Shayna, that's like when they got there. Like they just yes. made it. Shayna had not been there ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was literally show up, whoop ass, and go. So think about how intense that is. You know? So there's a lot of people and, who probably and, have PTSD yeah. just from the damn experience of thinking that they were gonna die out there. I was about to say, like, if if I came home from this trip, dude, like I, I like my sleep that night would be heavily affected. I, I can't imagine. No shit. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I can't. I cannot. I cannot imagine some of these people. <laughs> it could have easily been avoided. Oh, that is too good. <laughs> like I feel I, like I, as a sleeper, am I still I, waiting to be you know boarded? You know, I I would just love to get. So if they're talking, get out there and fight, and then somebody has the nerve to go, all right, you're working tonight. Fuck you, I'm working tonight. <laughs> Taking a nap, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> get just... rock and work. Fuck you, he already here. That's a I mean, he time, dude. <laughs> you got him out of there before you fucking did us. How'd you get his sleepy ass to work? 
I just the NXT McAllister run through the airport. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't believe it. That's exactly how I saw it too, and I explained why. That you is- know what I see? You know, I was so mad that I really went to this. Remember that thing they always make fun of Mark Henry of, of uh, when they did the angle with the Nexus and everybody ran past him, including the Nexus? Yeah. I just, just replaced the Nexus and everybody else with the NXT roster. Mark Henry joined it in the building and everybody's hollering ass past him. Oh, shit. Yeah, this definitely didn't go good. It's so bad that we have to make it funny. Like, it's just like. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it must have been scary at the time. I bet somebody there was thinking, you know, we're all going to look back at this one day, including the Dirt Sheets and podcasts and all laugh, which we are. But at the time, yeah. I was like, man, you guys could have been screwed hardcore. Be glad that didn't happen. But uh, yeah, AJ Styles was on Mixer because if you don't know, AJ Styles is on the very platform that we're on. We were here first, but he's still awesome. And uh, he talked a little bit about it because he's open on his on his uh, Mixer. They just talk about stuff. I, I remember actually being in there when they were gaming and he spoke about the name, the name being changed to the OC before they even announced it on Raw. So he talked about this experience. I'm going to let you guys hear this. It's from his Mixer channel. Give him a follow. If yes, you it's already. a very, very entertaining channel. We'll run down. If you guys want to um, appreciate those sparks. Uh, so we were supposed to leave after uh, after the show. We got to the airport. They weren't letting us board. What was the problem? Not real sure. I heard there was a fuel truck in the way, and the guy who drove the fuel, the, the fuel truck had left to go home. I know. This makes no sense. Why would the fuel guy, why would he leave if he knows he's got a plane that's leaving? Doesn't make much sense. Um, then there were some paperwork issues. And then finally, after at least four or five hours, we get on the plane. After Then they found uh, something going on with the fuel, something or another. Uh, it was broken. Now, people can say what they want. No, it wasn't broken. I don't know. But I talked to the pilot. On that 14-hour flight, the pilot had, uh, you know, they, I guess they take naps too. And so he came out and we were all chatting, sitting around on this flight, talking, having, you know, uh, anyway. And, and I said, oh, so what happened? And he basically, he said, listen, there was a problem. Um, that, that's a real thing. I said, okay. So the problem was, is we spent all that time from one o'clock all the way to about either six or eight in the morning waiting to board this plane, then get on the plane, then telling us we can't go anywhere because the, the pilots and everybody had, had timed out. The, the, uh, from the pilots to the, you know, from the help, uh, they can only go so long before they're not able to fly because they're not able to go 24 hours at a time, you know? So they had to go back to a hotel. We had to find a hotel. Were there guns? Did they come out and go, all right, everybody off the plane? No. That never happened. My wife called me in a panic, and she's she's scared to death. I go, babe, listen, we're just not able to go anywhere. It's not a big issue. Nobody is threatened to kill us. There was none of that going on. Nobody was going to get murdered or anything like that. That never, any of that never happened. There was no threat of uh, physical harm or anything like that. We just had to go find a hotel. And I got to tell you, 
I had the best sleep of my life in this hotel because I hadn't slept uh, because of jet lag. So, Blood Assassin, thanks for the uh, the host. Appreciate that. So, I know it sounds worse than it was. It's almost made. It's almost blown up to as if you know we were on the verge of being killed. That wasn't the case. Now I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened with Vince and the Prince or the King or whoever it is who was putting on the show. I have no idea what happened. Um, but it, that's not my job to, to say anything. My job is to go to work. My job is to get home. Was I pretty angry about not getting home because I missed my son's wrestling match? You have no idea. You have no idea how angry I was. But if this is out of our hands, if it's out of the pilot's hands, then there's nothing we can do. There's no point in getting mad and getting angry about something I have no control of. So I'm home now, and I'm happy to be here. Um, we'll, we'll find out as we go along why things happen. They will, or we won't. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. Um, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And I'll deal with it when I need to. But I'm not going to throw my uh, WWE under the bus either. That's not how I work. I am a guy who is committed to making uh, the best product that I can. And it's just not going to do me any good to throw good people under the bus. There are a lot of good people that work for WWE and I will not um, make them look bad. There were a lot of people that were on that plane with me. So until I know more, I'm not going to say any more. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything negative. That's, that's not who I am as a person. Uh, and if I did find out and I was offended, I, I, I will go to the source. Believe me on that one. So can we just like get past this whole Saudi Arabia thing and let me hang out with my, my phenomenal family? Because believe it or not, I wish that I'd been able to talk to you guys while I was over there. I wish I was able to blow some steam off talking to you guys, uh, playing some video games. So a uh, couple things that I decipher from this AJ Styles thing that I find interesting, because this wasn't in any of the reports, and there's probably a reason why it wasn't in any of the official reports, but it is very unusual for there to be some sort of a truck in front of the plane on the runway, and that the guy parked it there and went home and went to sleep? Really? That sounds to me more like the prince going, oh yeah, you motherfuckers delayed the pay-per-view, we're going to delay you. Put the truck on that runway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, common sense would tell you don't park the truck in front of a in front when of the, the plane that's scheduled to leave. And you know, it's like this is coming from AJ, so it's like as much as he's saying no big deal, there's just some guy who blocked the plane on the runway and left and kept his job. That's you know, the, that's the, that's the sound of a man who's home and doesn't want to talk about it anymore. All I could think Not of that nothing that happened is <laughs> all I could think of with him talking. This is theme, his theme song from TNA. Get ready to fly. Oh, <laughs> Get <ready> wow. to fly. <laughs> uh, yeah. is right. It's I'm not sorry. that like it's not that AJ's drinking the cooler. He is being professional about it. He's being professional, but he, but, sure. But, but, but he's you know, professionally letting somebody know, like, hey, something kind of went down over there. You know what? I don't think that professional is the proper word. He's just being honest. And that's the reason why there's certain things in his testimony, if you will, that make me quirk a brow even further. And one of them being that there was a truck or a tank or whatever the fuck he said was originally blocking the plane that the guy left. And he said that was weird. You know, he's not throwing anyone under the bus, but at the same time, his normal instinctive reaction 
is a testament to the unusuality of this whole thing. You know what I mean? Like that, that is weird. He knows it was weird. I know it was weird. You know that it's weird. And you know what else is weird? That nobody else reported that. That wasn't in any yeah. report, even though we know that this guy witnessed it for sure. Cause why would he make something like that up? It's, from what it sounds like, it, it sounds like he's the only one that talked to the pilot, too. Everybody had their preconceived notions about what the hell was going on. And there's a big strange thing with the pilot, too, where he spoke about the reason why he got to speak to the pilot is because the pilot was going was was was, was what? Uh, coming out to take a nap. But then later on, hours later, they still didn't have a pilot because they had to switch shifts because they can't go all the time. But he was coming out from taking a nap. So which one was it? You know, I don't know. It, it's just, it's strange. Why the fuck were the 24 hours between the delays? You know, why were the 24 hours? Why was there a tanker there? How how did this money thing even come up? It's not like this money thing doesn't exist. It exists. You know, there's a lot of information. Maybe it's not all connected. You know, maybe this is all just a coincidence. You know, we we know that they owed WWE money. Maybe it's complete coincidence that that happened. There, there was something strange here, though. You know, Daniel Mania 86 and McCade Lee, welcome to the room. I'm seeing you guys. I'm just trying to keep up with this damn story here as everybody comes in. I'll shout everybody out at the end. But anyway, yeah. So Carl Anderson then tweeted out. And he was saying top 20. And he said, um... He basically said, looking forward to see who the locker room leader is on Monday with popcorn and heart emojis. You know, basically the implication being, hey, you know, those top guys, those locker room leaders, they were on the first flight out. Then Brad Shepard started reporting that uh, the GSA was scheduled to have a big meeting with the Saudi Vision 2030 and is considering scrapping the entire deal with WWE after Vince ordered and delayed the broadcast. And that there was some sort of internal issues with uh, trying to get out of the deal. So, um, but... The story continues to get weirder and weirder. One of the side notes that came up was that according to Fightful, WWE's paychecks for the Saudi Arabia trips are less. They're still meaty paychecks for the superstar, but they're not meaty as it was when it first started. Just keeping that in mind, Brad Shepard went on to say that there was a, that the United States basically the United States Department reportedly told WWE that if there's any more issues with Saudi Arabia, they they might not intervene, whatever the fuck that means. You know, they basically said they'll cease intervening if a situation like this happens again, was their statement. And then WWE went on this afternoon to release a statement saying, we have a good relationship with our partners and the feed issues were unrelated to anything of that nature parentheses payment dispute we've been public with mechanical issues the charter company has as well and that was the end of their statement what they're basically just saying no this was all a lie none of this was true none of this was bad no, nothing bad happened it did bring some issues up for the future of wwe because uh Meltzer was talking about how all of the guys should unionize but um unfortunately as a result of the nxt guys going there it's sort of brought to light the fact that if everyone was to one day walk out on Vince, he would be able to just pull the NXT guys up and on the name brand recognition alone, just run the same kind of a show as he usually does. Yeah. You know? So, uh, who knows where that would lead. And before Raw started... I was started, about to say... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, no, I was just about to say, like, if they were to ever do that, I don't... I, me, personally, I don't know if NXT... I mean, of course it would exist, but I mean, it's not going to be like how it is now, you know? We'll see. I mean, I guess what they're trying to say is they learned that everyone's replaceable by everyone getting replaced. And then all of the marks automatically going, this was the greatest SmackDown in years. 
you know, and it's good that people felt that way. But at the same time, it just kind of proved the corporate office perspective more than the superstar worker perspective in the sense that, yeah, everyone was even happier when the people that aren't here every week busting their asses were all fucking screwed in Saudi Arabia. But fuck it, we had the greatest thing ever because all the NXT guys were here. And to me, honestly, and this goes for podcasts, even professional podcasts I heard out there, you know, reporters and stuff casual fans i think at this point it brought everyone down to the same level a bunch of fucking marks and yeah i don't care if i get heat all of you guys who said that this was the best smackdown <laughs> you're a bunch of fucking marks you're the worst kind of marks it wasn't that good stop sucking each other's dicks over that smackdown what was so good about it just because oh. a few people from nxt popped up in the mix and it was something you don't normally see everyone was acting like it was this incredible booking phenomenon like they really put pen to paper on this shit as opposed to just scrambled and ran down the locker room and pulled out whoever the fuck they could for whatever the fuck they could everyone's a second like oh man this was really great and it's like just stop it guys anyone who said that this was a great smackdown it just you just your, your mark is showing write that down yep there it is like your mark you really is showing. you're exposed it. now just being a typical mark <laughs> if that's all they had to do to make everything forgiven you know just oh look what they did Shayna Baszler came out look there's bro it's like fuck you like all that smackdown was was NXT guys beating up the SmackDown guys. That's all it was for two hours. Was just two Wasn't hours of... Yeah, give me a break. Like, your marks for giving them credit for that. You know, it, mean, and it's funny because uh, the internet had such an outcry of positivity for it that today when I was putting together the end of the program, I put it on just to watch it again. I was like, let me just, you know, maybe I wasn't in the mood. Eh, you guys are so full of shit that you would call that all oh, the greatest SmackDown. Give me a break. I've seen SmackDowns that have been main evented by Dolph Ziggler and Zack Ryder that are better than that fucking shit. <laughs> Most of the three quarters of the roster wasn't there. And all they showed, all SmackDown was, was NXT rules yelling shit. That's it was, all it was on Friday. It, it was a bunch of run-ins. And yeah, they did some good character building. They did some good story building, world building, if yeah. you will, connecting NXT to, uh, to WWE. But the way people were talking about this, and it's like, that's sort of the thing, that it became an eye-opener from a corporate perspective where it's like, you know, worst case scenario, these motherfuckers, that's the reason why they, they, they give you garbage every week. Because on some level, the fans prove time and time again that they will drink anything they will take anything all you got to do is sometimes just throw together enough shit and eventually just keep throwing wet toilet paper on the bathroom wall and see what sticks that's what they do <laughs> you know that's essentially what they're doing with you guys man because they just it's like it proved that if they just keep randomizing eventually they'll get a pop out of you because you're dumb enough to pop for that shit some randomly contrived shit that anyone who's ever watched like anything more than a year of wrestling would see this and just know that it was just thrown together hot shot booking as they call it which i'm not even blaming them for they had to do what they had to do because of the saudi arabia thing but the praise that they're getting for just throwing this together you know it's almost like they you're giving them credit for fucking up the turkey but being smart enough to order the pizza on thanksgiving <laughs> oh wow you know like that's what i'm talking about <laughs> they were so happy about this fucking smackdown i watched it twice just to make sure give me a break oh god and then according to, um, there, there was a report going on that they had Seth Rollins, fantastic person of all people. They have Seth Rollins backstage <laughs> this evening to give a pep talk to the whole locker room. And everyone said that it was really awkward. And that's because he's really awkward. 
you know? And I hate to say it because I've always liked him. I like Tyler Black in Ring of Honor, and I even like Seth Rollins. But there's something about him that's become awkward over time. It's probably because they use him as such a huge company guy at this point. Where even his babyface promos, they're just awkward as fuck. So I can only imagine that guy with the promos he's been giving lately, trying to talk to people about the positiveness of that Saudi Arabia experience. You know, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Let's get it together. <laughs> right, John? Come on, John. <laughs> we got to get in the game, guys. We got to burn it. We're yeah. a team, guys. You know, like, come on, man. Really? Like, the last person I'd want to hear after being on a flight in Saudi Arabia for more than eight hours is Seth Rollins' fucking voice telling me to cheer up. <laughs> the guy who's fucking Becky Lynch that has the title most of the time that gets the most pushes in there, too. I don't want that guy to be like, cheer up, man. Fuck out of here. I just imagine that shit. I totally good. Just imagine that shit. You get off a flight. You've been gone for two, three, fucking four days longer than you're supposed to. You get off the flight. Oh, God. Time to go to bed. Welcome back, guys. We got to do this shit. That's like the guy in the Armani suit getting off the subway and looking at the homeless guy. Cheer up, bro. You. Cheer up, man. (laughs) Chin up. Chin up. And him gives him puts a fucking quarter in his cup. What the fuck? Cheer up, man. I was man. just like wait, you. Wait, wait, wait a minute. The fucking sound effect killed me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, sound like he really had a cup with a quarter ready for this bit. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. That's where this whole thing went, you know? Yeah, so this is some awkward meeting that happened before Raw. They're probably exhausted from all the damn traveling they had to do. And guess what? They can't even follow up this NXT storyline because for SmackDown, they're going to be doing the UK tour. So NXT is not exactly going to be able to invade them there. Oh, my God. Squire says, who wants a pep talk from a guy that sounds like a mom from the Goonies? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Who knows what it was said, but it was reportedly awkward. And then at the end of all of this, and this is, I, I at least caught this story during Raw. So I'm actually seeing this for the first time with you guys. I didn't even have time to review it. But, uh, okay, so Saudi Arabia paid WWE for the Super Showdown event late. But basically, after this crown jewel, they expanded their live partnership up to 2027 now to include a second annual large-scale event. WWE and GA will also continue to work towards the completion of media agreement in the MENA region. This long-term partnership demonstrates WWE and GEA's commitment to bring sports entertainment to the region and support Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030. So... I don't know. At this point, you tell me what's going on. The actions are almost as random as the booking and the storylines themselves. Like it all, all this craziness. We don't know what was true and what was intentional and what wasn't. But at the end of it, there's an expanded partnership. Christ almighty. So not only are they friends, they're good friends. Are they better friends than they were before? <laughs> the ones you can depend on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting people to go out there for that again. And fucking they can get Braun to get out there. He don't, he ain't doing shit in relevant. So this is this is the stuff that they had to uh oh, had to deal with, man. Hey guys. Hopefully never again. Yeah, right? That's what they should have. Hashtag never again. Wow. Unbelievable, man. I really feel for those guys. And uh Scott Hall, he was on the uh two-man power trip podcast i believe this was is that the one i'll link you guys to it so whatever one it is you'll be able to listen to the whole thing i want to hear a piece from here um where he just talked about his perspective on the saudi arabia deal 
I think everything is great. And I, I love the way that, you know, I, I study what goes on in all aspects of our industry, not just the, what happens in the ring, but I like to watch behind the scenes, everything. And just the way that the WWE has gone about educating the fans in Saudi Arabia. Like at first, like they notoriously came late to the show. Like the show started and nobody was there yet because they're not conditioned to that. And they weren't really responding to the matches, you know, cheering and booing and stuff the way they do customarily in the U.S. But after this is about the third or fourth time over there now, the fans are already getting educated to how to enjoy the show to the maximum. You know, to cheer, to boo, you know, they're having fun with it. It's just great to see. I mean, later tonight, they're going to have the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia. So you can say what you want. I know the WWE took a lot of heat for continuing to do business with Saudi after the, you know, the one reporter was killed and stuff. But, you know, in their defense, you can't change anything by staying away. So, you know, they don't agree with the guy being assassinated, but they can't change it by sitting in Stanford, Connecticut. So, you know, all they can do is come and show the American way, you know, up close and personal. I don't know. I think it's a good thing. Well, you guys know they did have the first ever women's match there, and there were so many skeptics last year. By the way, I don't, I, I don't like Scott Hall's candidness just because, you know, the, the guy got killed, you know. But anyway, um, you know, they, they, they definitely. Well, he almost killed someone. What the hell yeah. is he talking about? They almost made. Um, I mean, a lot of people were skeptical they were going to have any kind of change, which they did. They, thanks to their persistence, they were able to have the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia. So I'm just yeah. saying, to their defense, as far as having that pay per view. Everyone who we had to hear the mouths of all of the SJWs like years ago, last couple of years about the whole Saudi and this and that. It's like it made a difference. And then typical to people and their pessimism, you then start hearing, oh, well, just because they had one match out there, that doesn't change it. It won't be until they start they, they, they start treating everyone equally. It's like, well, it's baby step, you idiots. There wasn't even women allowed at one point. And in a couple of years of them being here, they went from that to the women are now allowed to wrestle in the damn place they're and they probably got there. more pyro you know than anybody I mean? else on the rest of the show yeah, I saw some reports going on that's how stupid people are that's the reason why I hate social media I saw reports going on that yeah but the women aren't allowed to sit in the front where the guys are in the audience go back and look at that pay per view you assholes that's propaganda that you're spreading because all I see is women in the front row as a matter of fact saw- at the end they, that doesn't don't one of them get hogged by, by uh, Natalia N- Natty and Lacey hug the same one <laughs> She put cat on a She put cat ears on a little girl who's in the front. And they're like, oh, the women aren't allowed to sit. Go go look at the It's like pe- people are so full of shit. You're all full of shit. They, they don't watch the damn pay-per-view, but talk all the shit in the world. Go in the corner, sit down, and just be stupid. Like, come on, my God. Stop like, it. <laughs> Stop with the propaganda, people. Don't do this anymore. If you like this show, don't do that shit. They probably don't like this show. It's probably when they do this. Yeah, you know, you're probably assholes. In that case, fuck you. <laughs> nobody, let's be real. Let's be real, Rick. The problem is, ain't nobody fucking them. That's the problem. You know, it's it's crazy. But right now, things are just looking a little bit rough. I don't know the validity of this entire situation. Maybe it is all bullshit. I'm just saying it sounds strange. Twenty four hours being being uh, docked like that doesn't really make too much sense. And before this even happened, there were problems with the WWE stock as it was. Things were not looking good as far as that. The third quarter earnings report came out, and basically the stock dropped 15% since opening in that morning. You know, so it was at $56.08. 
losing $10.33. And that came out in the third quarter earnings call. And then to make matters worse, after the crown jewel controversy, hold on, let me bring it up on screen for you because we're not done. You think the stock's done dropping? (laughs) Stock's not done dropping. Let's get this on screen so you can see it for yourself here. We out here. We out here dropping stock. (laughs) We out here. Stock drop. (laughs) So then after that, it went down to $53.54 from the initial drop of $56.08, bringing it down $2.42, 4.32% drop. So it dropped more because of the issues with Soder. Maybe it'll rise now, not at their partners again. Not everybody's friendly. Maybe it'll rise. I don't know. I couldn't tell you for sure. And basically, they had an investor's call. They had this entire long investor's call, which we're done talking about the, the trapped in Saudi Arabia, escape from Saudi Arabia, call it what you will, no Kurt Russell in this one. We're done talking about that, though. Oh, my God. Now we're gonna, <laughs> now we're gonna go into just a little bit of the investor's call and the things that happened there. Because according to Meltzer, Wrestling Observer, he said that they weren't paid for the last show, the Super Showdown, and that, uh, basically they just sort of avoided discussing it during the investor's call. They say he said it was really interesting in the investors call. Whenever questions came about the television deal in the Middle East, as well as Saudi Arabia shows, they didn't answer. I don't know how that went. That must be, I would love to hear this call now. They said that they received $60 the after September 30, but they didn't say anything about what was going on there. And when there was talk about money old, there was clearly money old, but exactly what happened to that, to that led to Vince Mann doing whatever happened that led to the delay. So that's all we really know, which was on the investor call. So there's something there. It's not like it didn't appear. It's not like it didn't happen. There was definitely something there to talk about that they didn't talk about. And by not talking about it, it became something to talk about. So it backfired. I mean, it's just like, to, to, to me, honestly, this should have been on a Halloween episode because this is a horror <laughs> show. Oh my God. Well, somebody's got their story for next year. Yeah. I know. Oh, my God. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. That's exactly what we're going to call it, too. Saudi Arabia. So this is how they discussed the, uh, this is, this is basically things that happened. And then they, there were other things they wouldn't talk about either. They, like basically, uh, they were asked about the firing of Eric Bischoff and, uh, one of the guys on the call, um, the executive director of SmackDown, George Barrios, he basically said that he didn't want to discuss Eric Bischoff, but that he said that he felt really good about the changes that they made. So, oh, I bet you Eric's happy as shit that he's not part of that flight. So. Yeah, this this call was more about what they didn't say than it was about what they did say. You know, this call was more about what are they not allowed to say? What are they avoiding saying? You know, you know what Vince had to say during this call? You're not even going to believe it. Nothing. He didn't even show up for the damn call. He was at because he, he was skipping the, 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 the quarter three conference call because of Crown Jewel. And to make matters worse, uh, they were asking about NXT the whole rumors of them considering going on the road in 2020 as opposed to staying in full sale. And uh, he didn't want to answer that either. So there was a lot of stuff that they just basically left like that, you know? They cannot go on doing that. That's like, that's, that's stock market money, man. But you the problem like... is, though, but the problem is they will. <laughs> <laughs> they can't uh, go on doing a lot of shit, but they keep doing it. At this point, it's like putting deodorant on a pig. Like, it's still going to get dirty. Like, yeah, so I they, don't know. They, yeah, so they, they had to talk about a lot of that. The network, 
uh, the network had 1.51 million average paid subscribers in the third quarter, which is down 9% from the prior year. 20,000 less than they expected. And they expected to decline to 1.43 million in the fourth quarter, which will be a 10% drop. So basically, and they said that uh, WWE's net income dropped 83% from last quarter three to this one due to performance and fewer tax benefits. So 33.6 million to 5.8 million. That being said, they also discussed during this call AEW. The reason why they would have to do that is because of the fact that uh, they now have to offer much larger contracts to lock down WWE superstars. So that makes the talent costs rise and changes pretty much the entire thing. So the investors now, of course, want to know how are they going to deal with having to lay out these gigantic contracts for people with the rising cost of wrestlers due to the presence of competition? Oh, man. Oh, uh, my gosh. And uh, basically, the statement was WWE is in competition with all forms of live entertainment. The live content ecosystem is very competitive. And they said even the NFL is in their arena. And the company does have a good feeling about the history of engaging their audience. And that's what was focused on. They said that when it comes to superstars leaving the company, it was said that that those are their decisions to make. And uh, WWE does a lot of things to put a spotlight on their superstars. And that... uh, all of those factors will play on to which, which company someone would align themselves with. So they're basically saying they think they'll be able to win people over and they got it under control in layman's terms and that they offer better things. They promise more TV time and to put you over is essentially what I'm gathering from that. And uh, they're also cutting other things out while they're making all of these drastic changes to the company. Um. They're going to be cutting out DVDs. They're no longer going to release any DVDs, but the pay-per-view shows for 2020. You can buy the pay-per-views on DVD, but there won't be documentaries for DVD anymore. There won't be box set DVD specials anymore. There won't be any of that stuff. All those DVD specials, all that shit is gone. I guess they want to embed that more into the network. I mean, does anybody still really, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> no one. Lived, no one. Lived, you know, lives I mean, in, uh, they're still they're still doing that. I'm I'm surprised by that. No know? one that lives in cities or civilization likes physical media. There's more practical. I mean, there's not as much space when you live out in the boonies. You can pretty much pile DVDs next to your fucking log cabin or whatever, you know. But uh, you know, <laughs> when you live in the city and shit, you can't just be putting things all over the place, you know, like. Or just stacking like to this roof with comics and DVDs and CDs and movies and you know after all it's a pain in the ass you know you try to like sort of not live like a psychopath which is what all this media accumulates so imagine if you have like drawers full of DVDs and discs or games and shit at this point what a pain it will be. I mean, I mean, this is coming from uh, a huge wrestling uh, DVD collector and VHS collector. Um, after a while. It's like you start to realize what you want and what you need. And I've gotten rid of everything. So it's like it's to the point where you see you see stuff accumulating and it's it's it takes a toll. It's like you start to feel like a hoarder, honestly. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> like, and as you guys know, I went like, I, do I do I, I need to have the same set? 
do I, uh, I guess what I'm saying, do I need to have a different set that has the same matches on another set, but this set has to do with the intercontinental ch- championship. Like, you know, like, yeah. And you guys so. know, I went through a big move recently and I experienced that where it's like, there's a lot of shit that is just like, you, you, it's better. It becomes better to get rid of shit than to keep it after a while, let alone to have more physical media around. I think they're just moving with the times. I don't think that, that particular bullet point has to do with the finances so much as just the practicality of nobody is buying DVDs. You're a dork. I don't care who I get heat from in this episode. I don't mean a lot of heat. You're a dork if you're still buying shit that you're opening with cases and stuff on a regular basis. If you're buying things, like if you're buying Blu-rays or DVDs and you're putting them into your little box, you dork. You 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 know the you're the record player of this generation. Oh fuck. You know what I mean? What is gonna be next? Your A track? Like really you're buying discs to shit to watch, to sit and watch? Come on, man. That's awkward as fuck. Remember what was that that show that we just watched? Uh why the hell am I forgetting? Oh, the boys. Remember the boys? When the guy's trying yeah. to connect with his daughter and he gives her a DVD and she looked at it weird and was like, I'm sorry, I don't have a DVD plan, just walked away. <laughs> you know, they we, they should give him, somebody should edit that and give him the, ah, like, oh, she oh, walks dude, away. We need that drop. <laughs> oh, man. Motherfucker, yeah. I will go find it. <laughs> yeah, you know, nobody, it's, it's just not a practical form of containing media at this point. Squires. <laughs> Squires, first of all, you know damn well you ain't buying that shit. So <laughs> And if you did, I'm gonna need you to make better life choices. And it's not and it's not a matter of laziness when I say this, but it it feels a little impractical to be sitting in your house on a day where you're gaming and if you decide to change the game, like you now have to get up and go over and pull out a disc, put it back in its right case. Like, I haven't done that in years. What is this nonsense? You know, you just go and switch to your menu and press A on the game. Yeah. I mean, as far as physical media, I mean, I'm looking to the right of me. I mean, I do like vinyl. I do like records, but that's about it. So, I mean, collecting is one thing, but even collectors are a little crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even collectors are a little nuts. Like, oh, this is the original pressing. Okay. Right. (laughs) I feel that way with toys and shit, too. It's kind of like, oh, here are my toys that I don't open, and here's more of my toys. I'm I'm getting more, and there's more on the way. More going to be here. Oh, God. God forbid if you get a misprint. I mean, it's like, like, when it comes to, like, physical discs, I have, like, a couple for my systems, but it's literally one per system. Everything else is on the fucking on the hard drive itself. I'm not saying but you yeah, gotta you go would... ham. I mean, what if you fucking come across a four dollar game, you know, and it's like, oh, I could get this for four bucks and it's a disc. I mean, I've done that with a few guys. I have like four or five yeah. games where it was like, this is just too cheap not to have in case I ever want to play it. But I'm saying people who have to have it where they're perfect. If I can have it digitally, I always try to. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. with me, um, and I've told these people before. With the digital games, I have to know there is no chance I'm ever going to get bored with it. Because if there's a chance I might not like it, I'm getting a physical disc just to be safe. But with stuff like like, with like, a, like a lot of the games I play nowadays, uh, I'm getting it digitally because I know there's no chance I'm going to wind up stop. I'm going to stop playing it. I might take a break for it, but I'm not stopping it. But let's just say that with a physical game, there isn't a chance. So what? You're going to trade it in for shitty GameStop credit? Like their credit isn't worth it. That's one of the reasons why... 
you know, I'll never trade to them again because that was one of the things that I did during this move. I brought like literally like a duffel bag full oh, of yeah, games over there. That. I brought a duffel bag full of games and it was barely $50. I would never, systems and all. And then they nitpick about small things. It's better. Listen to me, everyone. If you listen, it's better. Just get your shit. Don't think about trading. If you get things, don't think about trading it. Set it on fire rather than trading it. Like the, the prices are so miserably poor that it's not worth it. You know, it's like it's absolutely not worth it. It's what made me realize I'm just going to start getting rid of shit when I don't want it anymore. Point being, going back to the original thing here, this is why they're no longer going to do that for anything. Because you have the WWE Network. Everything's up there infinitely. If you want to watch something, pull it up on the network. You don't need a disc. (laughs) You know, people are weird, man. They get caught in their ways. It's just because the human mind doesn't take well to change. So you think something's being taken away from you when it isn't. Yeah. You know, it's being put into a smaller, more compact, convenient form. There was a point where in order to have cameras, you would need gigantic fucking cameras that you'd have to carry around. Now you can do it with your phone. You know, it's just the way things are. It's the nature of the beast. Don't resist yeah. it. But uh, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff going on as far as that investor's call goes. And uh, it didn't do too well with them because uh, they had some low viewership last week. We don't have the ratings for Raw this week. It just went off the air. But uh, basically, they had record low viewership. 2.326 million for the first hour. million for the second and only 1.928 million for the third hour. So they were down 8.9%. So that was raw last week. And, uh, obviously the Fox situation didn't get much better either last week. We'll talk about this week as well, but last week was 888,000 viewers. And that also had to do with the fact that, uh, they were on Fox sports one. So, uh, well, first they were on Fox Sports 1, then they were back to the normal thing, but the ratings still didn't drop back up. We're hearing that this hasn't bothered Vince at all, even though it should. Maybe he's just thinking about that Saudi money. So under 900,000 viewers. And then Showbuzz Daily reported that the week after that, the, the episode that just passed that everybody's completely enamored with, that episode, it did 2.605 million viewers for the first hour, 2.481 million viewers for the second hour. So they were once again up. So, once again, proving that nobody's bigger than the company. Marks. Because <laughs> they all love that episode. So, that's why they're really... I love how you them. felt the need to pause and then <laughs> drop the mark ball on Yeah, but Showbuzz is also reporting that AEW Dynamite was at 789,000 viewers, with NXT behind them with 580,000 viewers. Those are dropping because of the World Series. So, this is the reason why you're seeing a drop in ratings there, because these are the lowest ratings from both brands of the Wednesday Night Wars to date. Joy. How much fun it is. I mean, all that matters is that AEW is still whooping that ass every week. So, it's still out here. Still doing it. Still not going to Saudi. <laughs> so, uh, WW2K20 is a piece of shit. We talk, about that. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. There's no, there's no questioning that. Like, it's complete garbage. But they did release their 1.2, 1.02 patch. And unfortunately, it sounds to me like the things that were supposed to be addressed didn't really get addressed very well. They said gameplay and controls. 
but there were still issues with the controls. Like it's still not great. There's still a, pro- a lot of collision detection issues. Graphics and clipping, the same thing. I still saw clipping and issues there. The hair physics they fixed. So they fixed Bianca Belair where now her hair doesn't look like mutant hair. It's regular. But everyone else's hair still sucks. When you see Charlotte Flair do the figure eight, her hair stays stuck to her shoulders. It doesn't fall back like natural hair is supposed to. Um, the, like I said, the collision detection wasn't that good. They said they fixed interaction with tables, ladders, steel steps, and other objects. But there's videos up there you can check smack talks where basically things aren't colliding and objects aren't working well um i guess they fixed referee actions don't report any issues with that um the button prompts were fixed and improved um characters warping or moving unnaturally around the arena seems to have been better the crashes and freezings i guess were improved image downloading worked interests and attires were fixed some of them some of them were still messed up um the universe mode seemed to be okay um the custom and created superstar seemed to be okay. Commentary and sound effects seemed to be okay. And apparently they did something for online stability matchmaking, these things and lags. The game is still not good. It's still not even better than last year. And like I told you guys before, this is no different than every other year where they get patches. It might get good here and there, but it's not going to be enough to fix the amount of problems that they have. There's, there's no way to fix a game that is this broken. This game is dead in the water. There's no amount of patching that's going to fix that. And quite frankly, I, even if it did, it wouldn't matter. People paid for something that was broken and they had to fix it afterwards. That's not how it's supposed to work. So, yeah, I don't think we'll be playing that at all this year unless it goes on like crazy Black Friday sale, like $12 and a, and a free, and a free, um, undisputed era t-shirt and mail or at some least, shit. At least give me a cozy with it, you know? Keep let's be real. Cool. Let's be real. If they threw, if they threw in a, if they threw in a night with Bailey's ass, you'd buy two copies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, it's really crazy. <sighs> so we were talking before about Seth Rollins and how he's he seems to be taking this new role of locker room leader or pep talker. I don't know what the hell you want to call him. You guys know he has a bad rep on the internet right now just because of the way he's been handling fans and stuff. Last yeah. week we played, I believe we played a drop where he talked about how uh, Kenny Omega needs to come back from the minor leagues, right? Right. <laughs> he said Kenny Omega needs to come back from the minor leagues and face him. You know, well, people were pissed off by him saying this. I mean, come on. It was said to piss people off. He must know that it was said to piss people off, right? I like would what? like to think he does. Like, you can't be oblivious to the fact that you just called the whole AEW locker room minor leagues, Right. Like the the place has been whipping your old stomping grounds every week. The minor league. Yeah. So. Go ahead and say that to Ray Phoenix. Right. Say it to Pentagon. Tell you how that, see how that turns out. You think the fiend did you dirty? <laughs> it's it's because it's because Rollins has become a really big company guy. And again, I told you guys in the in the past. As much as I don't like it, you can't blame this guy. It's fucking Becky Lynch. Yeah. Being the champion. Like, are you gonna? Who's gonna complain? Who'd be crazy enough to complain? I think my only thing is just, like, try to sound a little less delusional. I mean, is it delusion when you're living that life? Mm. It's not delusion for him. <laughs> you know? It might be delusion for everybody else. He's experiencing it. You know? If you ask him how's WWE, he'd say, they're great. Oh, my God. You I know? got my ass whooped by the fiend inside. It was great. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, he's getting a lot of indie internet darling IWC heat. Just because uh, he seems to become very corporate. I mean, how WWE chose him for that pep talk, right? That should say a lot right there. 
But uh, Jim Ross was on Grillin' JR with Conrad Thompson, and he responded in regards to how he felt about what Seth Rollins was saying about them being minor leagues. And it sounds to me like he took offense. I'm going to link you guys to the whole episode, but I want you to hear this. But it's just for a cl- it's not a classy thing to say uh, for an athlete of his uh, de- uh, designation. You know, it's amazing to me. I was talking to a Hall of – since this came out, I talked to two Hall of Fame guys off the record. Cause I'm not going to throw one of the bus, uh, that were embarrassed about those remarks as well. It doesn't do the business any good. And one of these, uh, cats even said to me, well, maybe Rollins is, uh, breaking under the pressure because he's getting a lot of criticism. Uh, you know, here's the deal folks. The WWE today is a, is a whole different world than it was when guys were earning above their downside guarantee significantly based on what the live events and the pay-per-views were producing. So uh, a guy like Steve Austin might be making a million dollars a year downside guarantee, which is 19323 uh, a week, I believe. And, uh, and, but he, would make, he might have a year, though, where he would make $10 million, $13 million, $9 million. So it's always over that. Now guys in WWE, like Rollins, I'm assuming, is cut on a salary. Uh, in, in, in broad terms. So I don't know how many houses Seth has drawn, uh, that sold out, uh, because as another hall of Famer mentioned to me, it's not about the individuals being over or drawing the house or, 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 or selling that selling out. It's about the WWE brand selling out. Hence the best illustration is WrestleMania. The brand name WrestleMania and the and the parent company, the big dog in the yard, WWE, is what sells tickets at WrestleMania uh, under the uh, auspices that they're going to deliver a special show, uh, opponents and participants to be named. But Rollins is a he's got a, he's in a great spot. He's blessed. Uh, you know, maybe someday he'll be as over as his girlfriend. I don't know. Oh. But nonetheless, uh, I always, I've always liked his work. He's a solid guy. He's a solid guy. But saying things like that make him look bad, and for that, I feel, I feel badly. Uh, I just, I just do. Uh, so it's just a different world. Different, you can't mix all the different rules, all different the metaphors, and all apples and oranges, and all those crazy ass cliches, man. Uh, the, 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 it's a different structure. So for anybody to say. Hey, look, here's the thing I, here's the thing I find incredible, uh, incredulous about this deal. One of the things he says, well, when you're through playing in the minor leagues, ironically, Mr. Khan's got more money than Vince, but nonetheless, that's another story for another day. Uh, but, and we believe that we're on a great network in TNT and we think we have a, a chance to build a nice brand. You never heard me ever Conrad, even when we're drinking, say, we're going to kick WWE's ass. Oh no, never. It's stupid. Well, but at the same time, you know, this is, you know, if the desired effect was to get people talking a little bit and stir it up and create a fun dialogue, mission accomplished. And and I was feeling that last week because we had such great feedback when you had the red ass that now you can actually pick up a JR's red ass wrestling commentary shirt. And the tagline <laughs> at the bottom says, bringing you a case of red ass yeah, maybe- every Thursday, uh, <laughs> pick up your shirt right now at jimrossshirts.com. And by the way, that is a bit of a... I don't think we need their shirts. You could get one if you want. Nah, I think I might. I'm going to get them Duraframe JR logs. That's a different story, but no. I think when he said that whole thing about uh, 
he hopes he becomes over as over as his girlfriend. <laughs> Yo, I f- <laughs> that's savage, man. Because savage, let's be yeah. real, that 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 part is savage, but it's the truth. <laughs> hey, nobody oh, popping for Rollins. They still popping and stealing for Becky. Oh Jesus, fucking Rollins, man! It's a shame that they finally got him where he is, and now the one they cheer for is Roman. Yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, I think that he he's burning bridges with people. Even if he's a good WWE guy now, you know, it's it's just not worth it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of friends that he has there as well. Exactly. Like you forget freaking how everything with uh, him and Moxley was. Those two were really close, and now you're sitting there telling me that Moxley went to the minor leagues, like. Careful yeah. what shot you fire, bro, because if you fuck around and miss. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, like I mean, I, I've said it before. And I'll confidently say it again. Rollins, the only reason your show ain't getting stomped out is because y'all ain't on Wednesday. Let's be realistic. Okay. <laughs> like, well, Rollins has yeah. always been really good. He was a top tier indie talent. You know, it's just unfortunately, oh, yeah. it, you almost don't see him underneath all that WWE. Yeah, like I said before, when you go to WWE, you're not the best anymore because you get pushed under what they want you to be. He's covering all that WWE glitter. You know, he's covering all that freaking WWE glitter. Oh, God. Road wrestling glitter. WWG, there we go. WWG. Then, now, glitter. (laughs) Writing it down. Somebody's gonna come in and see this reway. What the fuck is then now glitter? <laughs> yeah, but like I said, and I've always liked him, you know, that's the part that really pisses me off. Yeah, that's the upsetting part. Like, dude's been amazing. It's like, what happened? I don't know, man. I don't know. But I'm trying to get this drop here. We got Jericho who talks uh, a little yeah. bit about this. So, I, I mean, I know you don't like to say that there's a war. There is, you know, WWE and NXT are in the same time every Wednesday night. But, and I know you, you're saying that AEW needs to focus on themselves, but how do you feel about the WWE when, you know, they, they get that sniff of competition and they try and, and, and bury it? Alexa, like do you know think that WWE needs this competition? Because since AEW, I've got to admit, WWE has got a wee bit more entertaining. I'm enjoying it recently. I'm enjoying it. So do you... Well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think I've... I don't know what no, the fuck... I know what you're trying to say. Do you know what I'm saying? saying? You, you, had, you had one sip of bubbly and you're loaded. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, my first, it's my first... It's my first... It's my first... Basically, basically, let me take over. Um, I, yeah, I you go for I it, bro. I knew this was going to happen. And I told the guys, like, you, you don't understand. You don't know Vince McMahon like I know Vince McMahon. He's going to retaliate it's just what he does he loves the competition aspect of it he loves this uh he's probably having more fun with wrestling now than he has over the last 10 years because there's this is giving him something to 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 fight for and to fight at you know if you're in a race and i'm running you know around a track and there's no one behind me what difference does it make i might slow down a bit i might stop and take a piss on the side you know i might start walking if there's someone right behind me i'm gonna be running as fast as i can to to win and I think that's what, what happened. We ignited a spark behind Vince and the entire WWE that made them realize you're not the only show in town anymore. You're not the richest company in town anymore. Uh, and in a lot of ways, you're not the cool company anymore. So what do you do to make that better? Well, now we have to go toe-to-toe and fight. Now, to me, when I say we're not at war with WWE, well, I guess we're in competition with them. We're not at war with NXT because – and this is going to make people mad, but this is not being an asshole – 
NXT is still the minor league. No matter how you, you, you slice it and how you move it and this, that, and the other thing, those guys are still basically unknown performers. Um, it's not a competition to us. And I knew we would win because we have more star power than, than, than NXT does. I mean, when you look at the, at the end of our first week of TV, who was out there at the end? Chris Jericho. Well, we know him. Uh, Dustin Rose. Well, we know him. John Moxley. Well, we know him. He used to be another name, but we know who that is. Uh, Cody's out there. We saw him before, if you're a longtime wrestling fan. Pac is out there. Well, we remember him when he was Neville. Oh, there's uh, Jack Swag- Swagger, but he's got a different name now. Jake Hager, yeah. but I know who he is. Jim Ross is commentating. I know that guy. Tim uh, Tony Schiavone's commentating. I know that guy. It's like Justin Roberts is the announcer. It's a subtle thing, but we know that guy. There's all people that have done WrestleManias out there the very first night of our TV. And on NXT, they have guys that I've never heard of. And this is not cutting them down. They're all great performers. But to a mainstream fan, they don't know who Kyle O'Reilly is or Johnny Gargano or Uh, Ciampa or uh, Velveteen Dream. They just don't. So to me, we're not in competition with NXT. Our competition is... Raw is SmackDown, is Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and, and all those guys. So that's the way I look at it. I think it was a little bit of a stroke of genius for Vince to put NXT on against us because it took the focus off the main show yeah. in AEW and it put it on the minor league in AEW. So there's no war with that. And you can put anybody you want on against NXT on a Wednesday night. You can put, you know, a Super Bowl game or, or the, the World Cup final or, you know, resurrect the Beatles and do a reunion. It doesn't matter. We can't control that all we can control on a wednesday night is our show and our product and make sure it's the best it can possibly be so far we've been doing that very well and we've been winning but to me winning is not just beating nxt it's being number one in certain demos for the whole night i mean i think that i mean i think the great thing that aew has is that yeah well said erica well said yeah pretty much not coming off as it's like as you're taking a shot just yeah, so that wasn't Drew McIntyre, man. Uh, that was Grado. People cheer Grado. Nobody shoots McIntyre. Yeah, I linked you guys to the whole episode if you want to hear the whole things with them with Jericho there. And Grado can actually wrestle, so. <laughs> but Jack Hager, he spoke to Wrestling Inc. and he said that as cool as Jack Swagger was, he felt choreographed and that he looked at that as a 20 year old jake hager and now jake hager is in his 30s and he's been around the world a couple of times he's got culture he's got experience he's just a smarter more well-developed human being and that's what i was telling you guys before you know that the whole everyone feels choreographed in wwe now when they come out they're like little robots yeah Uh, nothing nothing about jake hager anytime we've seen him on aew feels like somebody told him step by step what to do yeah he pretty much told him what his goal was and let him get there on his own way, which is the way you should do it because you're going to get the most you're going to get the best out of him because they're going to be the most comfortable. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're doing with their guys over there, man. It's all crazy. It's all falling apart. There are people on the opposite spectrum, though, because Rob Van Dam, someone tweeted to him and said, you should go to AEW. It's a better fit for you, sir. And then he said, uh, you should quit telling me what what I should do, especially suggesting a downgrade like that. So uh, he considered it a downgrade from Impact. When nobody knows what the fuck he's doing for Impact? Okay, Rob. Okay. Don't say nothing when you job out the moose or some kind of shit. I'm fucking... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're, they're definitely uh, in the in the midst of these Wednesday Night Wars. USA, as a matter of fact, has just done a preemptive because this upcoming Wednesday, they're going to do a one-hour special NXT at 7 o'clock. So 
it's basically going to be just a shorter version of last week's episode to lead into the eight o'clock version of this week's episode. Clearly, this is an attempt to get people to tune in first so that they don't tune out when it's time for AEW because they're already invested. They're going to have it segue straight from Finn Balor's heel turn into the next episode at eight o'clock. So this is an old WWE tactic they use when they want to clip off your first hour ratings because now you're already on their channel. They're already hyping it up, this new edited version of what happened last week, and it'll lead right into today. You want to see what happens? They're going to be reminding you for an hour when the other station doesn't have wrestling going on of what you got to look forward to. So here we go with the dirty tricks and little extra stuff here. But it's business, you know, it's what's going to happen. And it'll be funny. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just saying it would look bad if this didn't work. Just like everything else they've tried. You know? <laughs> It'll look bad if Team Rocket's blasting off again. You know? I'm just saying, like, I mean, it was once upon a time where Team Rocket showed up two weeks early and still wound up blasting off again. Exactly. So. This is the second time they did that because that's exactly what they did. NXT had two weeks ahead of, of AEW and that blew up in their face. It could have the same like, effect like, where people go, well, I watched like, an hour of what happened ne- this week. Like, Next week, I'll all, watch an hour of what happened this week if they do it again. <laughs> all you're telling me is, oh, I missed last week's episode because I was watching AEW. I could watch it before I watch AEW. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the the numbers have gone down on both sides, but the difference is there's a whole bunch of, this is a different world we're in, and again, they have the World Series and a bunch of other things going on, and uh, you're never going to get these crazy, holy shit, high numbers consistently. They're still, nonetheless, the company that's been around with the most experience and with the most backing has the lower numbers on a war that they started and did a preemptive attack on and used every dirty trick in the book and haven't touched their numbers. I'm just saying that if at 7 o'clock they come on an hour early and then all of their ratings plummet at 8 o'clock, that would look even worse than them to just lose. Like, imagine that. Let's look at that for a minute. Because what we're seeing now is, all right, you know, NXT did 800,000. I mean, uh, AEW did 800,000. NXT did 500,000, you know, worst case scenario. I'm just throwing random figures out there. Imagine if for 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, NXT does 800,000. And then the moment it strikes 8, it drops 400,000. You know how bad that would look? At that point, they don't get to try any of the tricks. You know? So, uh, yeah, these are more of the tricks that are going to be laid out. Just in case there's not enough wrestling for you, now you get an extra NXT. Yay. No? Get to watch watch an hour of NXT doing the same thing again. Yay. So let's see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, we should probably talk a little bit, I guess. Very little, because I don't want to stay too long on the card. But we should talk about things that happened. Um, what do we start with here? We go in a proper order? I guess we go in proper order. After last week's Raw, the next thing that we had was the Wednesday Night Wars. The Wars? Which, uh, what do you want to start? you want to do NXT or AEW? Uh, let's start from NXT and then work our way up. See what I did there? Oh, because oh, of the ratings. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> NXT, um, you know, usual. Uh, we actually kicked off with uh, EO Shirai and Candice LeRae, but EO got herself a special entrance. Yeah, because that was pretty uh, cool. the band Poppy performed her out. Yeah, that was really cool. It's funny how it wasn't a special occasion or anything. They were just like, hey, let's yeah. just going to do something cool. It's a fucking EO look. EO looks more amped up than she's looking on a long time, which I think that that's EO's first ever special entrance. Oh, like yeah. they've never done something like that for her before. 
Yeah, after a pretty chaotic match, um, Shirai wins after Candice goes for a top rope move, but uh, Io avoids, and LeRae hit a chair that was introduced earlier in the match, and after that, Shirai beat down Candice. But uh, the fun was not over because, yet again, the mosh pit kid, Rhea Ripley, came out and basically saved uh, Candice and fend off Io with that chair. Mm-hmm. Which Eel's doing a great job as a heel. Uh, I really like that persona. What I love so much about her entrance is the cha- is the mood changes. She comes out just flailing and crazy, and then the second she hits that rope, she just settles back down. Yeah. She has that really timing do. perfect. Most people can't do that and have it work so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now yeah she, I really she's, dig that. She's doing absolutely amazing. I am I am so happy for that girl. <laughs> Uh, but then, of course, next, we finally get to hear uh, from Finn. So um, Finn Balor comes out, basically says it's funny how I think his exact words were, it's funny how things work out. Basically, two months ago, he was supposed to lay down to a guy because he put on a mask. But now he's the hottest thing in the business because he took his mask off mm-hmm. and then um, proceeded to call out Gargano and basically said if Gargano comes out of that hospital and steps to him again, he'll make sure to put him back in. Yeah, one of my favorite lines that he said was uh, that he's going to make him from Johnny Wrestling to Johnny Watches Wrestling. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> savage shit. He said the way that it should be. <laughs> that was some savage shit. Yo, I, this, this Finn Balor has an edge. Like, like, this felt more like a Prince Devitt promo. Like, Johnny watches wrestling because he'll be too fucked up to ever perform again. That is a threat. I mean, for God's sake, after you hit a man with a bloody Sunday on the ramp, I take those more seriously. Oh, man, that was so good. Oh, God. And, of course, we had a kind of a little filler match, a rematch, actually, between Shane Thorne and Bronson Reed, where uh, Reed went over after a frog splash because, you know, his big ass doing a frog splash is totally safe for the work environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I can't I <laughs> you can't tell me I'm supposed to take that bump. I just won't show up for the match. Like fuck that. But, but um yeah, I wonder what happened with Shane Thorne. Like he was going through this whole crusade of wiping out the guys from the top prospect tournament and then now it's just complete he had him what he had that feud with that small feud with Johnny and then it's been downhill for him. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought was gonna happen after he like the whole Mighty Don't Neil thing fell apart. Yeah, and I mean, he, it looked know. like they were doing something with him, but... Yeah. yeah. And, of yeah. course, after that... um, You get your tag team championship match, the Kabuki Warriors against Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Yeah, Asuka and Kairi Sane come home to defend the tag titles. We finally got a tag title match in NXT. And it looked good. Surprisingly, they they let the, uh, the, the Aussies get a lot of kicks and shit in, right? Yeah, Knox and Kai are a really, really good team. Yeah, it wasn't one-sided like I expected it to be. They were able to like just have a pretty balanced back-and-forth match with each other. Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy match. Uh, Asuka actually hit Kai with a dragon screw that went after that previously in- injured knee. But uh, the finish of this was uh, Kyrie pinned um, Dakota Kai after an insane elbow to the back. But after uh, Asuka spit the mist in her face. But the chaos was not over because after the match, Shane, um, the horsewomen came out. Knox hit Baszler, but uh, Shafir and Duke got to her before Shayna basically kicked her in the knee. Yeah, Baszler came. Um, Rhea Ripley came out, 
and actually walked down the ring, and then Io Shirai ambushed her. Bianca Belair came out and attacked Ripley, and then Candice LeRae also reemerged. And amongst the chaos, we got a historic announcement. William Regal is pulling the trigger. It's going to be Rhea Ripley, Dakota Kai. Uh, let's see. Well, Rhea Ripley, Dakota Kai, Shafir, Duke, uh, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, and uh, all in war games. Yeah, in war games together. First ever female war games match ever. So it's. Yeah. I love and I love how William how how Regal broke it down this time. He didn't go in that dramatic speech like he usually do. He just simply said, "I got a simple solution: war games." And the crowd was calling for it before he even came out because I think they knew it was coming. I was a little disappointed in the sense that I would have liked to see the Kabuki Warriors team up with Io Shirai somewhere amidst all of this chaos because they were all involved, but not at the same time somehow during this brawl. Yeah, they all. Those three personalities work really well together, so that would have been great to see. Yeah, and they just didn't do it, you know. Very strange, especially since they would be the two two out of three are former tag teams, you know. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's, like the, it's, it's almost like the same chemistry as uh, the Undisputed Era when you look at it. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were tag champions, you know. Uh, Adam Cole, I believe, and uh, Roderick Strong were tag champions and, and teamed up together. Like, they've all had some sort of association before they came here, you know? It's like they've yeah. had that before. Which also, I, I forget to bring up all the time, but isn't it weird? Uh, a lot of the time, Red Dragon and Ring of Honor would come out with Shayna Baszler. That's before she was even a wrestler, and they haven't even thought of making any type of connection with that over here. See, it's because they, they don't like to do stuff that works. Yeah. <laughs> I that's guess. just always been my philosophy with certain things where I just feel like that's probably why it didn't happen because it actually would work and everybody knew about it before them. But yeah, but uh, the night continued. We had Tyler Bate and uh, Cameron Grimes with the finish. Uh, Grimes going over Bate with the cave in that double foot stomp. Uh, the finish of that actually got set up because Killian Dane distracted Bate. And after the match was over, Dane hit um, a sent on on Tyler Bate. Basically, making that a message to Pete Dunn, who we had talked talk about popped his fingers before his match with Damian Priest. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just brutal, man. It's brutal looking at that. Oh, God. He, it's just like his bait's so small compared to him, so it's just like, fuck. But, <laughs> and then uh, our main event, this uh, interesting new team of Matt Riddle and Keith Lee versus uh, Undisputed Era. Fans of this match is uh, after the high-low. Fish pinned uh, Riddle. But uh, this match was pretty crazy. Strong and um, Strong and Cole came out to help, um, to help, but Riddle wound up taking them out at one point. I love that they kept Lee distracted so he couldn't get back in the ring. Yeah. Which was actually really smart. Like, if you're going to neutralize any of them, you neutralize the guy who moves like he's 100 pounds lighter than he is. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, and I you know as much as I don't like Matt Riddle's personality, like he's he's really like his timing and his movement in the ring is like it's undeniably incredible. You know, oh, I've always loved the fact that that dude can go from zero to smash him out in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it is <laughs> wild. You know, he looks it's, good out there. You know, I know he he stays barefoot because he's used to uh, it from his combat training. Yeah, what what it is, um, from what I've heard, it's a comfort thing. He feels like he moves more naturally when he's just when he um hat when he's just barefoot. Right. So so he almost he almost the way he it's been described almost if he would have put boots on, you might see more mistakes from him because he wouldn't feel as comfortable. Right, because he's trained barefoot pretty much of the time. Yeah, like in martial arts. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the chaos continued. Undisputed Era came out and uh, 
continue the beatdown. But Ciampa came out with his uh, infamous crutch, and Ciampa dropped what looks like yet another another bombshell because Ciampa grabbed the mic, looked at the championship of the ring, didn't pick it up, but said, Goldie, not yet. Daddy's going to war. So it looks like we might get two war games matches in the same night. Yeah, it's definitely possible. You know, Jesus. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that they put him right into the into the midst of things. Yeah, pick up where he left off. So. Mm-hmm. That's just that's gonna be hellacious. I mean, Keith Lee in a war games match that that scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Ricochet scared me enough in war games. Like this is, and this is Survivor. Nobody... This is Survivor Series uh, weekend, right? Yeah, I believe War Games Survivor Series weekend. Yeah, that's awesome. Christ in heaven. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a lot of pr- pretty definitely a good NXT for sure. They definitely they they did a good job of setting up uh, war games with uh, this whole night. Awesome. Yeah, I mean they do good. It's, I don't know what it is. I'm I'm definitely more pro AEW, but there's something about the NXT show that's a little bit more, and it's a great wrestling show, but it's a little bit less flavor to it than AEW currently. I, I, I the only thing I could think of is just like we've been so used to NXT. So it's kind of it's kind of like when you eat one when you when you go to a restaurant or something and you get that one thing every time. When you get something else, it's like a completely mind blowing thing because you're not used to it. Whereas like Dynamite's only what like a month old. NXT has been around God knows how many years. Like it just, it just feels like more happens on on Dynamite. That's the best way I could describe. It. I feel like more happens on a week to week basis on Dynamite. There's more to talk about. More things went down. It feels more like a traditional wrestling show. NXT still doesn't. It has good wrestling on there. It has good wrestlers on there. It doesn't feel as much like, I don't even want to say relevant. It's not the right word, but it just doesn't feel like a traditional wrestling show. It doesn't feel like it's, it's, you're, you have to watch it week to week the way you do AEW. Yeah. You watch, you miss AEW and you feel like you legit miss some crucial shit. Whereas NXT <laughs> is not the same. Like, NXT, you almost feel like you could miss a couple of weeks and then catch everything right before the pay, right before the takeover and be all set. AEW, you're sitting there feeling like, oh God, I need to find a way to catch this before next week. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, what's next on the on the agenda? Before we get back to news, don't worry, guys. We're going back to some news. We just wanted to get some of the middle stuff, the Wednesday night war shit out of the way. Yeah, I mean, since it is the wind day, AEW. Dynamite. All Elite Wrestling, Dynamite. <laughs> we need that fucking drop, I swear to God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, crazy start- night. Yeah, this started with uh, the private jet scene with Tony Schiavone in the in the jet with Cody and Dustin, you know? Yeah, I mean, we know Schiavone's very close to the Rhodes family, so. Mm-hmm. And, uh... So what essentially winds up happening? Basically, they give us the whole last week thing. And uh, the first official match is Hangman Page against Sammy Guevara. Yeah, which will finish being Page going over with the Buckshot Lariat. Buckshot mm-hmm. the shit out of him. <laughs> Damn right. Good. I thought, I, thought, I thought he hurt the poor kid. Like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is a boy, Damon. Like, what you doing? Like. But <laughs> one of my favorite um, moves of the whole match, when Guevara uh, teased that dive, but then he just jumped down, leaned down, and just... <laughs> he smacked the fuck out of that. 
It was just it was it was the arrogance just to build to all that build up just for a bitch slap. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> that kid is so good. <laughs> your freaking hangman's horse, Hunter Horse Helmsley, passed away. Oh no way! And I believe it was Garver who told him he was like, "Don't worry, you you'll see your horse soon enough." Or someone recently told him that shit. That's Jesus. fucked up. Yeah, Hunter Horse Helmsley, rest in peace. Always oh, remembered no. as coming on that dramatic horse. I always ain't give a fuck about that crowd. Neil, that show was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, wild match. Um, I love the attitude change with Guevara. Ever since this whole thing with the inner circles come up, he acts like a completely different wrestler now. Yeah, but I mean, by the way, even though really... it wasn't, it, even though it wasn't officially listed, um, Adam Page is gonna face Pac at AEW Full Gear this Sunday, or is it, or is it this Saturday? This I want to say it's a right? Saturday. Yeah. yeah, so this Saturday, Pac's gonna face uh, Adam Page. That's one of the matches. We don't have a poll yet. I might have one later, but I don't think enough stuff has been officially um, added to justify it. Yeah. You know, so, but, um, yeah, we'll definitely keep you posted as far as that goes. Uh, next yeah, match was, yeah. uh, Shanna versus Hikaru Shida. I, I love this match, man. I, I, you know, I know some people might disagree, but I, I just love this match. This was a good match. It was, <laughs> Shida chick is nuts, man. I love when she set up the that chair at the at the outside and basically launched herself with that knee attack. Like that knee looked like it sucked to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her knees are really bad. Really good use of knees in this. And of course, she uh, with a nasty running knee knee strike uh, went over Shada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... real back and forth though the whole time. Like there was no real point when anybody had, I guess, a clear advantage over the other. So yeah. this match was anybody's game. Yeah, I like Sheeta's, um her sit-on neck breaker was pretty dope. <laughs> like some of these, some of these girls in, in AEW, like oh my god. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of a lot of these chicks that they're getting from like uh, you know the Asian promotions, and <coughs> <coughs> yeah. whether it be you know good or bad, it's like it, it's it's cool seeing them in there. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then we get this weird uh, Brandy Rhodes Awesome Kong video package. Where I don't know what the hell's going on. So is she being possessed by the spirit of Awesome Kong now? What is that shit? I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe she's gonna be awesome. She's gonna be bodacious Brandy. It's like I don't know. I told you. I thought that, she, that they should make her Diddy Kong, so it could be Awesome Kong. And Diddy Kong. <laughs> I want it now. Like I'm so mad. I don't know what's going on there. It was weird because I feel like later on we saw Brandy in the night and she was normal again, right? Right. Maybe this is like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever it is, I don't like it. All I can think of is that shitty uh, Halle Berry movie, Gothica. No, don't you Gothica her. Don't you gothica her. Maybe she shouldn't gothica her. Oh. God almighty. Oh I can see it now. Gothica Rose. Yeah, well, that uh. And after that, we get to see Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express. With the brand new AEW World Tag Titles. Mm-hmm. 
But they did not get to celebrate long because proud and powerful PNP Santana and Ortiz came out there and whooped that ass. Yeah, beat the hell out of those guys. You know, powerbomb Morton through the stage. That was young. one of those viewer discretion advised <laughs> ass whoopings. Yeah. The young buck came out, but they were too late. <laughs> the job had already been done. <laughs> <laughs> the turd was in the punch bowl. <laughs> I think I saw someone's dentures fly. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. Oh god, but yeah, it was a they this this team has been off the walls since they've been turned loose in AEW. Like I can't wait for them and the Lucha Brothers to fight each other because I watched what they did to each other when Impact. These teams are a lot more violent here. So. Yeah. I think they're really. I mean, just like just like the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks, I think they're really paramount in the uh, tag team division. Yeah, this is one of the, this is probably the most stacked tag team division of any company right now. Like there's contenders all over the place. Mm-hmm. And oh, then uh, okay. what was next after this is six man the, gr- the the greatest part of the whole show. Yeah, <laughs> six man match with Chuck Taylor, <laughs> Trent, and Orange Cassidy, and they're dressed as Rick and Morty. And they had Morty do the do the announcing. That's what did it for me. I heard Morty. I couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah. Yo, why does fucking why, why does Trent Moretta really look like a life size Morty? Like he. <laughs> he wore that shit a little too well. Yeah, no, he really did, man. Oh it was, God! It is We're going to Shoney's. <laughs> oh shit! What a thing to have a partnership with, right? Right. <laughs> that was no a- way WWE could post some shit. Yo, first of all, they want to pay for shit, so of course not. They will call him fucking Roger and Mick. <laughs> Roger and Mick. <laughs> they're always behind the, this is gonna be old God. They're always behind the times in WWE, so it wouldn't surprise me if now they try to get Ren and Stimpy. They're like, well, they got oh, Rick and Morty. We're gonna get Ren and Stimpy. So, 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 who's coming out the happy, happy George or their music? That's my question. And all the kids are confused. What the fuck is this? Oh my God. <laughs> and then, like, 10 years later, they're gonna do fucking Rick and Morty. Oh my God. Oh yeah, but of course they were facing off against uh, John Silver, Alex there's Reynolds, a, and QT there's, Marshall. There's a shot. Look at that shit. Look at that shit. <laughs> that is fucking wonderful. That's too much, man. It is the greatest. I love how they kept piping and fucking uh, Rick and Morty skits in the entrance. That is amazing. Look at him. He looks like a he, Beretta looks like a full size Morty. <laughs> I love a fucking Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus Christ. That guy is something else, man. Fucking Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor look like a mortar from two different fucking universes. You got Taylor. You, 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 you got overactive Rick and don't give a fuck, Rick. Oh, uh, Jesus. I'm surprised he doesn't rip his pocket sometimes, man. Like that man, the fact that that man can do a suicide dive with his hands in his fucking pockets. Some strong ass jeans, bro. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you notice when he lands, his hands never leave his pockets. That's the part that always fucks me up. Like, I don't get that it. That must have taken some practice. I would hate to see the botch of that. <laughs> right? 
Oh boy! You like you imagine if he misses? No, I don't. Uh, a motherfucker catches all face like just. He becomes rest in peace, Cassidy. <laughs> Fucking bruised, Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, pretty the, much. Uh, the, the freshly squeezed Cassidy. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, squeezed up, squeezed of all his fucking mobility. That motherfucker gets that motherfucker gets turned from Orange Cassidy to the Pulp. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, best friends in all Orange Cassidy clearly, obviously went over. But um, yeah, best friends put away Silver with a strong zero for the pin. Mm-hmm. Oh god, I swear, like my favorite thing that Cassidy does is just like the fucking casual slacker kicks. I think somebody calls him. Yeah, that, that whole nonsense. It's just so funny because it's like he does the least and gets so over. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that is a talent right there. The fact that you can literally hit the most casual fucking kicks and get a pop. <laughs> fucking Cassidy. But yeah, you know. <laughs> I fucking love that dude. <laughs> Where was he before EW? You never really see this guy in the Indies. <laughs> That shit has been bugging me for for months now. I'm like, where the fuck have you been? Like, how are you so over? Part of me wants to say he was in Jakarta, but the other part of me is like, no. <laughs> That's one of those people, like, when you see him, you don't forget him. Maybe BTW? I don't know. Oh, God. This is not going to do research on see where the fuck he's been. Jesus Christ. Like, I, I know for sure he's probably been in P, PWG. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So, then we have the contract signing, right? Chris Jericho. Cody and Jericho. Jericho with the ugliest fucking outfit you've ever seen. Oh, that was the loudest fucking, oh my god. <laughs> that jacket screamed, hey, it's Halloween. <laughs> it's so ugly, I didn't even realize they were pumpkins at first. I was like, god, that's an ugly pattern. Who made that his grandmother? Yo, he looked like, he looked like he it was impo- it was going to be impossible to lose him. Like, if that motherfucker got lost at night, they would just tell you, look for the light. Exactly. It was really just dreadful, man. I couldn't look directly at him. Couldn't do it. Yeah, no, it was just dreadful. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this um, this was an interesting one, the way they went about this. It wasn't the usual, somebody goes through the table, they fight and all this and that. Um, at the end of the uh, at the end of the signing, basically Cody, all, um, Jericho almost kind of stood up as if he was going to start it, but then he basically told him to look at the screen and come to find out, Jake Hager is beating the shit out of Dustin Rhodes. I think he slammed him in a car door and then slammed his arm into the car door. Yeah, he. Um, they even he even Instagrammed a picture of himself in a cast. I guess they're going to really sell this injury, right? They go in with this. I love that level of kayfabe. That is great. Yeah, and also for anyone who was curious, this is the fucking jacket. Look at that nonsense. Oh, he looks like he's trying to cosplay a gay Elvis. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Who says, hey, I'm going to pull that in the closet today, okay? Wear it. That's the shit you wear. Holy Jericho. That's the shit you wear when you have nothing else to wear and you didn't plan. Saw that bubbly. Oh my god, that, that, that that's something. I don't know if that's a bubbly for good. Yeah. So what comes after this? Was it Omega time yet? 
not quite. We had uh oh yeah, yeah, it was it because it was uh Elite versus Kip Sabian and the Hybrid 2. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Omega, he comes out using Undertale. He's cosplaying as Undertale for Halloween with the entrance and everything. Great. Custom Kenny Omega entrance. Uh, he was pretty committed. There's a second I love time. how you called it in the chat room and didn't realize it. Yeah, I, when, when I saw the entrance, I thought, oh, very Undertale-esque before I realized he was going to come out as the physical character from Undertale, which they did a really good job with the outfit. And I'm going to bring that up on screen for you guys here. Oh, that was entertaining as all hell. Yeah, see, there it is, Undertale Man. Look at that shit. <laughs> even, even AEW could get Undertale. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Oh god, yeah, this was actually uh, Kip Sabian's Dynamite debut. He had never been on. The only time we'd ever seen him, I think, was a uh, pretty much AEW Dark, and then of course the very first ever singles match. Would he even kind of? Mentioned in that interview, like how crazy is it that I was the first ever singles match in AEW, but I haven't been in, on Dynamite yet. Yeah, that is true. And uh, the finish to this was uh, obviously the elite going over here with uh, Omega hitting Jack Evans with a V trigger and then the one winged angel put his ass down. Sit down. Yeah, done. Really good match, though. Very solid yeah, stuff yeah. as always. Yeah, I think, like, Jack Evans, like, that hybrid, too, those are future tag team champions. Like, those two are so good together and still after all this time. Yeah, Jack Evans has always been really good. Yeah, yeah this is, I think this is one, this is definitely one of the biggest stages that Helico's been on, which, I mean, watching that guy as long as they did Lucha Underground, I knew that could be that dude could be a force if you really cut him loose. Look at that sequence there. That's just fucking nuts. Fucking Jack Evans is a bump machine. Like some of the stuff they let people do to him, it just it doesn't look fun whatsoever. No, that's because it isn't. Like, so then we get the inaugural AEW Tag Team Championship match: Lucha Bros against SoCal Uncensored. Actually, we did get a little teaser or something uh, right before this. Uh. Oh, what was that? Well, uh, the librarian Peter Avalon came out and basically decided to cut a promo, but was quickly interrupted by an unhinged and pissed off John Moxley. And uh, Moxley was very upset because, as they announced earlier in the show, the match between him and Omega in full gear is now going to be a lights out match, an unsanctioned match. And yeah. I love what they did with this because this is something you don't see any other places do when they mention this. Lights out matches don't count towards your record. So when a match doesn't count towards your record, you don't get closer to a world championship match. So Moxley basically made it clear, whatever happens to Omega, it's on AEW's hands. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, he gives a really nasty speech about, about everything being unsanctioned. Like he goes in. Yeah, which I mean, it's definitely a really good storytelling because that was something I'd never even known all those years of watching those in WWE that that doesn't actually count. Like towards your record. Yeah, that's going to be crazy because we've already seen what kind of matches Moxley has in this company. Oh, Moxley does not give a fuck. Like, yeah, not <laughs> at all. That man cares none about his physical safety whatsoever and even less about the other guy. Oh, that's going to be terrifying. And then that brings us to uh, the um, yeah, main event time. Yeah, main event. Yeah, to crown the first ever AEW World Tag Team Champions. Which surprisingly, SoCal Uncensored, I did not see that coming. 
Yeah. Why I didn't think it was going to be them. But SoCal Uncensored manages to take this one. Yeah. You know? That was. I like that. I like it. Like, and I felt this way since the Friday Party eliminated the Bucks. It was hard to pick who was going to win. And, like, they managed to eat one out. <laughs> Sky wanted to roll up. Sky wanted to roll up Ray Phoenix. And they got the win. And like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what we do. Where do we go from here with this tag team being the champs? Because they're not the ones I saw being the first tag champs, if you would have asked me. Yeah, it's a. Uh, they have a division that I have to deal with, that's for sure. But I almost feel like they're. I feel like they're gonna have to run through Pentagon and Phoenix one more time because if there's anything I've learned about those two, they don't let go of grudges very easy. Yeah, and they're gonna be pissed that they got caught like that. Yeah, um, but it goes to show that that uh, SoCal Uncensored don't count them out. They were like the dark horse of this tournament in a lot of ways. Yeah, and mainly because. Uh, and I think they mentioned it in their first match. This variation of the team isn't that familiar with each other. Usually it's Kaz and Daniels, but Kaz and uh, Scorpio Sky were never really damn teamed as much. So there's a little bit of question of how well they were going to be able to do. But I mean, obviously it didn't hinder them much at all. So. Yeah, no, not at all. Okay. Can I ask you guys this? How do you guys feel about uh, like, have you guys really ever listened to their theme? Like their who, entrance. Who SCU? Yeah. I you like know, it. lyrics wise, not really. Some of those themes on AEW are really good. Oh, like, I I haven't seen a bad one yet. <laughs> did they not have that SCU theme before here? Like it was only in AEW? Yeah. No, I think this I think they've had this one before. Yeah, yeah. This would be yeah. from ROH. Yeah, I don't yeah, I figured that some of these were. Like I think now, the Lucha Brothers well. theme, their theme is, is new to AEW. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this was this match was crazy. Like Phoenix is the most rid- that it, it's, it's not great in Metal League people. Phoenix is the king of the ropes. <laughs> 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 that tightrope kick, well, I guess we bounced on the on the rope and it kicked Kazarian in the face. Yeah, we just had that yeah. on the screen about about ten seconds ago. I just took it off the screen, but yeah. Oh god. Yeah, I put that and the destroyer on the screen. If anyone's watching the visuals, you got to see that spot that Destiny has mentioned and the destroyer. And this is just a celebration afterwards now. What I love so much with Pentagon, I've never seen somebody who can just set up a destroyer like he does. Like, there's no, like, there's not that pause and then build up. Like, this man just rolls into it and it's just, it's the most sudden thing I've ever seen before. Like, very fluid destroyer. It's it's got shades of a. To me, the RKO. I mean, I know, granted, the RKO is just basically a cutter, but to be able to have that versatility. It, it's the suddenness, I think. Yeah. It's kind of what you were going for. It has almost like a code red vibe to it as well, like a code red flip power bomb. Yeah. It's just the fact that, like, he can hit, like, and nobody else does cutters like that. Everybody else we've ever seen do them, there's some kind of a setup, whereas his, he's hitting them from the weirdest angles. Yeah. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is an amazing tag team. The Bucks, the Bucks have delivered on what they promised. The tag teams right now are some of the best parts of AEW. There's no other company that's doing tag teaming like this. You know, not at all. It's to a point where WWE is incapable of being able to comprehend tag team wrestling at this level. Unfortunately, they did it to themselves. Yeah, like I said in the chat room, you know, they mentioned stuff with Survivor Series. I forgot the Revival Wars SmackDown Tag Champions. How do I forget who the champions are on the show? 
It's because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, but I mean, once again, another show-stealing episode of Dynamite. Yeah, and like I said, if they take nothing away from NXT, they did good wrestling on there. There was good performances on there. There's just something about AEW and the way their presentation is that just stands out more to me, you know? AEW seems to come on come on every week with the intent of making sure you're not allowed to forget what they did. Exactly. Like, like they, they, they make it virtually physically impossible unless you did just outright didn't watch the show to not know how crazy some of these shows were. Yeah. No, they did an excellent job. And it's like every week I look forward to it. I get excited when I know it's time to watch AEW. Like, you guys, when's the last time you really felt that way about a company? It's been a while for me. NXT was the closest thing when it came to that, but that's not the case anymore. Yeah. No, because this is this has a lot of the guys that were the reason why we were into shit like that, you know? So yeah. It's hard to compete I mean, with that. It's kind of funny that we see all these problems going on in the WWE, but yet we were here, we were somewhere around this time last year talking about how they wanted Omega, they wanted the Bucks, they wanted the Lucha Brothers. And imagine how bad it would have been for them if they would have gone there. You wouldn't have seen these guys do it. Let's be real. We 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 wouldn't have seen these guys doing anything near what they're doing now. Pentagon Phoenix would have been the Lucha House Party. Fucking the Bucks would have been doing some angle with Tyler Breeze or some shit. Omega would have been probably jobbing to Roman every week. <laughs> WWE would have still had a better hold on the market. So even though we get stuff we complain about now, it would have been the abysmal shit that we were getting before AEW was here. Yeah. AEW, I think that's what's helping AEW the most. And unfortunately, NXT has the burden of the fact that they're still under that WWE banner. So a lot of people wouldn't have just like, oh, the NXT's on NXT's under WWE. They're instantly having the flashes of Raw and SmackDown, and I think that's hurting NXT. Whereas I, I almost, I wouldn't, I don't, I would not right say they'd be beating them, but I think they'd be having a lot better of a time if it wasn't for the fact that they were still under that banner with them. Yeah, and even though it looked at first like NXT moving to USA wasn't going to change things, it's in a weird way, even if they didn't mean to do it, it, it kind of now has, because we are starting to see that mix that we were talking about before of everybody being everywhere. It's like this company right now, whether they believe it or not, and they should really think about this, they're not in a position to divide brands right now. It's probably not even wise to divide brands right now. You're in a war with another company, remember? And, like, they're all united in that other company. They don't have the vision. They don't have different fucking shows with different people on it. Right now, WWE can't help themselves but to associate people from different shows. The only thing that they have going for them that makes them even remotely interesting is when they cross people over to shows that they're not supposed to be on. And the only time they can really consistently do that is with the tag, is with the women's tag titles. Yeah, so it's like, I kind of feel like they're not going to be able to keep their promise just because there's no way to keep their promise. Fuck, they haven't kept their promise. Brock Lesnar already jumped brands and so did Bray Wyatt. Everybody's already jumped. The titles literally switched from one brand to one. It's like, they just need to let it go. They can't, they can't keep this promise. No, this is it. Now no one's going to be able to be on each other's brands. And ever since they said that, it's still the same. I knew when they, when they were just like they said that I was literally said there with a countdown in my head. How long until they back out like they always do? They've beaten their own record. That's because they never knew what they were going to do in the first place. That's how come they couldn't buy stardom, you know. But after the cameras turned off, AEW wasn't done yet because you had uh, the elite come out and mess with the crowd a little bit. Having fun. Does anybody want a piece of this table? 
That was so dangerous. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Something, something is missing. Hey, Matt. Get your ass out here, Matt. Yeah. Come on, we got to close the show on a good note. Come on, Matt. Hold on, hold on. Where the hell is your shirt, Matt? Matt, where's the shirt? Where's all? Go get it on. The people, you guys want to see him in the shirt, right? Get the shirt on. Wait a minute. You better be wearing those damn flip-flops. Yes, he is! <laughs> Do a full walk, Matt. Give him a turn, too. Yeah! Make him say, oh! I think we got a new bit. Come on, Matt, make him say, but, but if you guys get loud as hell, maybe I'll change my mind and he will toss each and every item to the audience. Take that shirt off. Oh, yeah. Look at the bod. Look at the body. <laughs> I, I think we're... <laughs> Who wants the Titantron? We do need guys. We do. This 
This, guys. I will, I, I cannot give up my watch. I will give up my tie. I will give up my tie. Everybody's going to be naked by the time the shoot is over. This is a good this is a good teaching lesson. I'm gonna tell you the most important thing that was ever told to me. Make him say Don't do it! Writing it down. Hey, did you like that video? (laughs) Click the screen for more. And where do you think you're going? Before you check out our official merchandise page, on at prowrestlingtees.com slash youngbucks. Oh, Hilarious. Like, who else has that much fun with the... That's sending the crowd home happy. Not a match. Not a bit. No, just make them laugh. Just, or in another case, make them say, The crowd went with it too. <laughs> We're like, we have a new bit. Make him say, oh, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At this point, I'd give I'd give the Young Bucks a Lifetime Achievement Award, man. Yo, poor Matt looks so bummed out walking down that stage. Wearing and everything, fucking, right? And then fucking MJF makes it worse. He puts a scarf around him. That is oh, awesome. Shit. You see, it's just genuinely of- entertaining, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. the funny thing is, it's not like it's a choreographed bit. It's just like, hey, what can we do that's really funny that'll send everybody home happy? Fuck it. Let's dress Matt up like a merch fan. <laughs> See, when I watch that show, I feel happy. Like, I feel like a fan watching something. Like, when I'm watching the I, other brand, I feel like I'm fucking analyzing some shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Raw and SmackDown <laughs> feel like a chore because you feel like you have to sit there and try to just pay attention. AEW, you just kick back, pop a drink, and relax. One of them is, I can't wait to see what happens, and the other one's, all right, let's see what they give us. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what it's become. All right, let's see what they give us. First one, it's like, oh, God, here we go. The second one, this is going to be fucking awesome. You're, you're, me, you're rushing home to see AEW. You're thinking, okay, I might make it in time for SmackDown, but if I don't, eh. And now, too, I think it's gotten to a point. I mean, they're 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 in this stretch where um, their production is way way more better now. Like, and not that it was bad before, but there's there's subtleties in their, you know, cuts and the way they have you know drops and stuff for either a title matches or you know matches coming up next. It's like. I feel like um they're they're on par with WWE. They're smashing them, and that says <laughs> a lot because WWE has has like very yeah. high level production value. So that says a lot because no one can fuck with them production usually, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when that's what I mean. And when you look at that show, it has a refreshing feel to it. It has a refreshing look and just vibe to it. That's something that we haven't seen in a lot of other things, you know. You don't feel like AEW is literally taking time out of your day. Yeah. Like I said, you don't go, all right, let's see what they give us. Like, if like yeah. if I ever have to work on a Wednesday night and I miss AEW, I'm literally sitting there like, all right, let's see. 
when can I when can I work in that hour? Sweet. I'm sitting there. If I miss a SmackDown or a Raw, I'm like, okay, do I feel like do I feel like catching up this week? Like we well, even with me too, like I, I have to be at work at like five, six AM in the morning and I find myself watching AEW, of course at that time, but also watching like previous like, you know, dark matches or you know, just I go down a rabbit hole on YouTube pretty much. Yeah. AEW I almost feel like I, I when I, when the episode's over, I have an urge at some point to want to watch it again. Same here. Yeah. Even even if I don't need to, sometimes the second time might just be like, screw it. Let me just watch and not give a shit what happens. Just enjoy it. So after this was over, the following day being, uh, I believe it was Halloween the following day, right? Or a couple of days later, they released a being the elite Halloween special. I don't know if you guys saw it. I hadn't. I just go. I'm going to link you to the whole thing. It's 20 minutes. We don't have the time, but I just want you guys to see the beginning of this. Oh fuck! <laughs> All right, everyone. This is a stick up. Nobody move. Now give me those stars. All five of them. Yeah. <laughs> How generous of you. And we're not even at the Tokyo Dome. Stop it! Stop it! You mean old cleaner? Shut up, Baker! Or Adam gets it. Oh no, not again! Somebody (laughs) do something! Don't look at me. I'm just here for the bubbly. Reach for the sky! Oh no! It's Sheriff Page! Wait a minute. He's on a horse! I'm here to outperform you and take your main event spot. But I'm the best belt machine. And it's the cheers that get me through it, brother. Not since AEW has started. Take a look at your win-loss record. You can't touch me, Sheriff. I brought Cody's... Uh, I, I mean, my defense dog with a built-in shedding defense mechanism. Well, we're going to push this dinosaur who's more over than anyone on the roster. You're going to jail, cleaner. Say goodbye to your winning days and Street Fighter. Well, I guess this is goodbye and good night. Bang. You saved the day again, hangman. I'm here to do some cowboy shit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, hold on a minute, man. <laughs> I'm here to do some cowboy that, shit. If that was only the best, that could be the episode name. That was the best line. That, the whole thing was worth it just for you that moment. Save the day again, hangman. <laughs> I'm here to do some cowboy shit. (laughs) (sighs) Me and Kenny feuding? (laughs) Yeah, right. I thought last year's Halloween was weird.
these guys are nice, man. <laughs> that was the greatest punchline ever. I'm here to do some cowboy shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Those guys are mad funny, man. I've never seen that one before. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I know what I'm doing when I go to work before I go to work tomorrow. <laughs> some cowboy shit. All right. Well, it's time to talk about, I guess, Crown Jewel. <laughs> I know. I know. The way you said that, it sounded like you just got thrown for the best day of school and got a phone call and your mom was going to whoop your ass. And I was like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> Break is over. Time to get back to math class. <laughs> First step, long division. Fuck. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I did enjoy um I did enjoy most of the pay-per-view, I'd say. Yeah, it was a pretty good card. We could talk about what I didn't enjoy as we get into it, which is mainly in the main event. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so what was the first thing of this again? Remind me, I don't have this card in front of me. We had the kickoff, right? The kickoff with uh Okay, actually. I wanted to talk about the kickoff before you get started on this card here. So Booker T's talking to Tonga about the Lashley Rusev situation. And at one point, Booker's like, you know how it is. You had woman problems, man. Uh, <laughs> and just, a, just that it was just so fucking awkward the way your Booker <laughs> kills me, dude. He rolled into that shit with no hesitation whatsoever. It's like, oh, shit. I wonder if he was prepared for that. It didn't look like he was. No, I wasn't either. Oh, my God. So, uh. Yeah, the kickoff was that battle royal, which surprisingly wasn't the worst battle royal. I don't, I don't, um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was fantastic, but, uh, you know, it had its moments. It wasn't a complete clusterfuck. No, not completely. Yeah. And, uh, exactly, um, what exactly was the finish to this? I don't even remember uh, the finish. It was, uh, oh, right. It was, uh, that, that, uh, what's his name? The, the dude from over there beats the, the, the two bludgeon brothers, right? Humberto Carrillo. Oh no, it's Humberto, right? It was, Monsoon gets eliminated early, but he was one of the guys that won last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. As far as eliminations go, No Way Jose got eliminated early on. Big surprise there. Um, Drake Maverick was the first one to be eliminated. Heath Slater, uh, winds up get eliminated by Rowan. Um, Tony Nice gets eliminated. By uh, Rowan as well, I believe. Luke Harper gets rid of uh, Brian Kendrick and Eric Young. Uh, Mulder Riley winds up getting eliminated by Titus O'Neil. Uh, Sin Cara um, winds up getting eliminated by Andrade, I believe. Um, Titus O'Neil tries to toss Apollo, but he winds up getting eliminated in a reversal. <laughs> what? Uh, just Titus O'Neil. Every time you think of Titus O'Neil, Battle Royale, start laughing. I love how they even referred to it again at one point. Well, he's even slipping the ring. And I was like, really? Yeah, Kira Tozawa gets eliminated by Harper's superkick. Um, Humberto Carrillo um, winds up getting eliminate, eliminating Shelton Benjamin. You get the fucking point. There's a lot of jobbers here. <laughs> they all wind up getting eliminated. You know, and then eventually Humberto winds up winning. That's the only guy that they're really um pushing. There was a little segment with R-Truth with the 24-7 championship where he's chased backstage by the jobbers. Um, 
you know, just all kinds of stuff was going on here. But the point being, Humberto wins it. So that was the kickoff that no one seemed to give a fuck about but me. By the way, even if you were in my chat room, which I know you weren't because I was the only one in there. That's how little of a fuck any of you gave about that kickoff or this yeah, show. I working, so. I, I know, excuse, I know. I'm just <laughs> you. No, but no one cared about this show, seriously. And uh, yeah. it was good, though. Like, it was really, really, like, always, always, um, but I was in it. You were in it, like, at Saudi with the, with the, with the prince. Girl, that's dangerous. What you doing? <laughs> You're lucky you got out of there. <laughs> I was in it. Did you show some leg? What the fuck? Like, how you just get out like, no, no. <laughs> Oh god! But yeah, I know. Um, Humberto got a U.S. title shot to win in this match. Yeah, it's ironic. A U.S. title shot shot in Saudi Arabia. Good Ain't that you. a bitch? That's an oxymoron for your ass right there. Oh mm-hmm. man! <laughs> so we start off with the Universal Championship. Well, the WWE Championship. Oh, that's right. I I, I get them confused <laughs> so often. I lose yeah. track of which one Brock takes from who. You know, you're right. right. It I, is I, actually- I I I. I, I I lost track of which one hasn't been on TV in six months. <laughs> so Brock yeah. Lesnar against Kane Velasquez. <laughs> Lesnar goes over with a Kimura. Fucking, what, four minutes into the match? At that, maybe? Because it turns out that Kane Velasquez is pretty badly injured, and even though he was going to try to use the stem cells that I told you guys about, it's not going to work. He's going to need surgery, so they had to shorten it. It's not like the guy can't wrestle. We played clips on here of him being in Lucha Libra and... He was masked and doing all kinds of flips and spots and shit in the tag match. You know, you know the guy can wrestle, you know? There's, right. There was a physical problem with him. You know, it's not like okay, shit. That makes sense. You know, so they did what they could with what they with the limited mobility that he has because he's going under the knife. And we knew he was going to try the stem cells to avoid that, but it just didn't work out. But um, even if he wouldn't be the best wrestler, we know he's capable of doing more yeah. than that. We've seen it before. So it was more on his side than anybody else's. Um, that's why they had Brock Lesnar tap him out, which I don't know. I would have preferred if that would have went to a no contest or something. All right, something. Just save it. Cause I mean, because realistically, I, I'm sorry. You're not going to tell me after that ass whooping 10 years ago that Brock's beating Kane. You're not convincing me. <laughs> I watched these, I, I watched Brock take a shoot ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So the next way the tag team turmoil match, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode against Lucha House Party, just for the hell of it. Yeah, that's how we started with Lucha House Party obviously being the ones that get eliminated here and then they give us the Edgeheads as the next people to come in and get their asses kicked and then Heavy Machinery come in and they take out Ziggler and Rude then the New Day come in and they take out Heavy Machinery and then the B team come in and they get taken out by New Day and then the Revival come in and they wind up getting taken out by New Day and then the, o- the, revival. And then the OC come in and they take out New Day <gasps> And then the Viking Raiders come in, and the OC winds up taking them out. Yeah. <laughs> the Vikings, literally the first time they've ever been pinned, happened in Saudi. Not canon. Not canon. They're still undefeated. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Nothing's canon out there. Just say case. You stupid. <laughs> no canons. You had to reach for that one, didn't you? <laughs> Holy shit. You Americans are the ones with the cannons. Oh my god. <laughs> He's still going. Don't look at me. He fucking still going. Like what like let's be real. Shane McMahon ruined the whole best anything in the world. Like <laughs> the OC should not be happy they got that shit. You saved that for Hawkins and Ryder. That's what you that's what you saved that shit for. 
Uh, I don't mind it. I mean, whatever. At least they're pushing them now. Think about there was a point where, where they didn't even seem like the Gallows and Anderson that they were supposed to be. It seemed like it was never going to happen. You know what you ain't. You know you right. You right. <laughs> you know. So then we had Cesaro versus Mansoor. Yeah, Mansoor. Who they tried to hype up like he's been doing shit all year. When in reality, the last time we saw him since that battle royale, Damian Priest was kicking his ass. And I don't mind the locality of having one of your hometown boys in the pay-per-view, but come on with the crowd shots, Kevin Dunn. Right. We get it. The crowd's really fucking inspired by this. This is a moving moment for them. This is really inspirational, touching shit. Look at how happy they are to see one of their own out there wrestling. Look at the children smiling. I get it. I'm not going to forget that we're in Saudi Arabia. Like, what agitated me so much is the way they were talking about it. Like, Mansoor has had a Hall of Fame year. We've seen that man one time. And my mistake, it was Dijakovic who kicked the shit out of him. <laughs> like, don't tell me that shit. Like, I forget that ass whooping. This is the yeah, third yeah. time I've seen this motherfucker in 12 months, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, does he have to actually work for WWE or does he just come over when they're on Saudi Arabia? He, he, he's literally, this man is an NXT jobber who just happened to win a Battle Royale one time. And then the next is, time is he, we saw him on NXT, he got his ass whooped. What I'm saying is, is, is he actually at full sale? Or does he just live in Saudi Arabia and he just comes over whenever they do a crown jewel? I, 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 think he's just, I think he's just one of those guys, I think, where he's actually at full sale. But I think he's usually just like the NXT house shows because I never see him on TV. Wow. I, see Raul, I, I see fucking Raul Mendoza more than I see Monster. <laughs> <laughs> and that's before they started taking him seriously. The, the Saudi Arabian audience doesn't even realize that they're just being pandered to. Yeah. We're not going to see this fucker till the next time they go there. Yeah, that's the end of Mansoor's run. He gave a big speech and everything. For fighting Cesaro, think about that. I don't know if that's how delusional the fans out there are or how delusional the WWE is, where you can have a pay-per-view where you fight Cesaro in an exhibition match and then give a big speech at the end of it. And he went over Cesaro. Cesaro, who we've seen all year long, fucking Mansoor went over Cesaro. Yeah, and he gave a speech about how this was his dream come true. Just like it was last year. Then we get Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. <sighs> yeah. <Come Yeah>. <laughs> and the fish, Tyson Fury with a 10 count. Pin people here, you fuck. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pin them like a fucking Mayweather pin the big show, you tall bitch. <laughs> fucking hate this guy so much. You can't yeah. even trend and then Strowman doing what Strowman does best. Jobby to people who have no business being in the ring with him. Top 20 though, right? Fuck sakes. <laughs> Yo, Strowman really did become the next big show, right? God, I don't mind. I mean, big show at least won the damn world title. He's worse. I watched big show beat Brock once. <laughs> like, Fuck how de- me. like how depressing is this, man? This motherfucker loses to people who who just box. <laughs> All he does is throw punches with big ass gloves. How the fuck did you lose this? And then I love how like <laughs> I, I, I love the sad attempt trying to get his heat back. He hits him with a running power slam, and then Fury doesn't sell shit. Yeah, right. Oh uh, yeah. You can't trend, and you're stupid. Yeah. God, linear champion, linear dumbass, more like it. Sell the fucking move, you tall dummy. Yeah. You know what? I, I blame WWE even for that, though, because Tyson Fury is a very charismatic boxer. 
It's just that they don't know how to present him. They don't know how to showcase him. Whenever I see him in interviews or anything, um, he's entertaining to watch. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Conor McGregor isn't there because that would have been the same problem that Conor McGregor had, you know, where essentially at the end of the day, they, um, they just wouldn't use him properly, you know? He's called. These Connor would have sold the power slam. There was this commercial. I linked you to it. There was this commercial. They oh, were you gotta show that shit. Let me see if I could bring it up. There was this commercial they were playing during UFC. Um, um, give me a sec. I think I got it here. This was during the UFC that was on BT Sports, and they were playing this commercial. And it's basically uh, Tyson Fury. It's a parody where he's going to work at an office, and like when he goes into the office, like he gets like the intro, like if he's a boxer. And like that commercial showed more of his personality and made me like him more than anything WWE. Just because it was like the timing of it was funny and like he's a funny dude. But yeah, look at this. This is the most relevant he'll ever be. This commercial. Oh, good. And now, ladies and gentlemen. God. The time has arrived. Thought he wasn't in today. This is the main event of the morning. Tyson, the Gypsy King, Fury. <laughs> Say that again, I can't hear a word with this racket going on. <laughs> morning, Dave. All right, Tyson. Didn't think he was in this morning. I'm here all week, you big dosser. Great. BT Sports, where Tyson goes to work. <laughs> Oh, the most looks like greater value, Mr. Clean. <laughs> better than anything he had WWE. God, better than anything he's probably done ever. That might actually get him trending. Sakes. I'm sorry. You know so much as putting Strowman on main event after this shit. This fucker lost to a boxer. But... Yeah, ring out. <sighs> yeah, they're done with Strowman, man. I guess they realize that he's not pushable for whatever reason. Maybe he's hard to work with. Who knows? Like, like, just, just then keep him anywhere near. If that motherfucker's not beating Zack Ryder, he's doing too much at this point. Like, it, it, he's a fucking joke. You, you're just big for no reason. You're just yeah. big with a beard. Like, that's all you are at this point. With apparently a power slam that in kayfabe can't even keep fucking Tyson Fury down. So, um, what's next on this? Let's try to blast through this shit. We start with all this stuff. Oh, God, fucking Humberto and AJ. The palate cleanser match. Very good match. Oh. Yeah, amazing match. Humberto almost caught him. That kid, that kid's dancing on glory. I swear. Yeah, but he gets hit with the phenomenal forearm and loses. Yeah, I think like they they have a lot of faith in that kid, and I don't. And it's, it's not surprising. Like the guy is absolutely incredible. He keeps getting better every match. It seems he does. He really does. Yeah, like that kid, he he's got a future. Now that he managed to get back to American soil, he does. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a running gag with everybody. Everybody's got a future now because they made it back. It's a good day to die. Oh, no, the reason why citizens, you fight for what is right. Da, da, na, na. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah. And then next, History. The first time ever a women's match in Saudi Arabia, Lacey Evans versus Natalia. The winner of this match was both of them because they got to be the first fucking ones to do it. But re- in reality, the winner of this match was Natalia because she got to be the first woman ever to have a bottle thrown at her on the ramp going down to wrestle. 
fuck's sakes. Yeah, that's right. Somebody can't threw, have, somebody somebody can't threw have a fucking things. bottle at her. Dick. Unbelievable. So disrespectful to have that happen. They may as well have had John Cena interrupt the match because he's looking for The Undertaker. Exactly. Like, it's happened. It, it's the same thing with those people. It, it's like the same level of those people who are just like, oh, I'm not going to watch Crown Jewel. You're not accomplishing anything. This shit's already happening. Yeah, this match was my favorite match of the night. I think that it was Lacey Evans' be- best match ever. And Natalia, obviously, she's like the the veteran of this entire division, no matter what brand we're in. Lacey absolutely killed it. And what I love so much is that there was no gimmicks in this match. There was no characters. It was literally those two girls as happy as they possibly could be. Yeah. Lacey had a smile that looked like it hurt her face when she came out. Yeah, beautiful transitions and things. I, I like the uh, all of the reversals and stuff. The headlock takeover, bridging and then reversing into the um, the leg scissors, you know, going for the sharpshooter, but Evan's kicking it away. You know, I love her moonsault where she basically she jumps and then transitions on the rope and, and springboards back. Uh, it all looked really good. Uh, you know, um, Evan's hitting that rope assisted wrecking ball drop kick. Everything just looked solid in this match. You know, I think that this was like really cool and it was a good showcase. I couldn't think of a better match for the women to have in regards to uh, a first match in Saudi Arabia. You know, exactly. because it looked, it looked very sound. It looked very well put together. Like, and when you look at it, I, I, I had a discussion with a friend about this earlier. Lacey Evans, at this point, that girl could never win a championship and she'd still have one of the best careers because she gets to say... I was one of the first to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. Nobody can ever take that away from either of them. And the best thing was after the match was over, just that embrace of like, we like we fucking did it. Like it was immediate. Like I think, I think Lacey's reaction stood the most because just she's, she, we, as much as we say about her, that girl has worked hard. She works hard, and I don't want to take anything away from her, but I think it's important that people understand at this point and acknowledge that matches like that in WWE would not happen without Natalia. No. Period. The Ronda Rousey Natalia match that happened, I think, on Christmas, was it? I think so. Or somewhere. It happened at some point, but it was a really good match. You need Natalia to have a match of that caliber. Because a lot of people are like, why didn't they use Becky? Why didn't they use Sasha or whatever? It's like, Lacey, I guess, is questionable. Probably the Marine thing had to do with it. Who knows? But Natalia is unquestionable to me as to why. You cannot have a match with that kind of shit going on. Sure, you can. But if you want to guarantee that it's going to look good the entire time without there being a point in the match that doesn't look good, you can't do it without Natalia. It's 100% impossible. There's no one else they could have put into that ring to have a match that looks that good. She's the ring general whenever she's in the match. And for people who don't know what that means, she's the person that essentially controls the match. You know, she's the person that essentially uh, choreographs it. She puts it together. She's the one who governs what the other person does. That's the reason the Ronda match looks so good. And that's the reason the Lacey match looks so good. Lacey's good at at, at doing what she's being told in that match. But it would be silly for me to believe that Lacey is the reason that match looked good. She contributed for sure. Yeah. But you need somebody who's a good ring general to have a match that good. And I mean, it was really that good. Aside from the AJ Humberto match, what else on here was really technically sound? I don't really think there was anything. Nothing. 
These girls, I, I'd almost call oh, them and, um, girls and, and Cesaro and Cesaro against that dude. You know, that was pretty good, you know, for what it was. But yeah, like this is history one above everything else in this match. Like this was absolutely incredible. And the crowd, the crowd besides that one turd burglar was so accepting and exciting, excited for this match. Just to see um when Lacey when the match was over and Natalia and Lacey went out to the ring and just started hugging everybody and all those girls were so excited because there was just like this I think uh it's almost similar to the chant they said when uh Sasha and Alexa wrestled in Abu Dhabi this is hope mm-hmm. and that's what it was so I mean congrats to both of them like no matter what happens for the rest of their careers this can't be taken from them now. Yeah, for sure. And it was a great looking match, which I will watch again. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to watch. I would feel like I'll just find just this match again and watch it. (laughs) So that brings us to Team Hogan versus Team Flair. It's the Saudi series. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, This was another match that I really liked. I think that the chemistry and the storytelling here. Well, first of all, anyone who's listened to this for a long time, you know that I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. I like big team matches like this. I've always said my favorite pay-per-view Survivor Series, not just because it's our anniversary, that's not a coincidence, but because growing up, that was always my shit. I always liked those team battles like that. Um, when done correctly, because obviously if you don't know what you're doing and someone's, you know, there's an agent booking it like shit, it's going to come out like shit. But when done properly, it's basically a series of connecting pieces, different people feuding, different people aligning, different things happening. And uh, it tells a great story. My preference is always elimination, that being said. I've never liked the fact you pin one guy and everyone else is fucked now. Yeah, but, the elimination always had a better element to it. Yeah, which is why I've always loved Survivor Series Styles matches. I've always loved uh, Lethal Lockdown. Uh, you know, anything where it's just big teams, uh, you know, in battle like that when it's done with the proper guys. And I think this was a great case of it where everybody got their shit in, as they say. And um, there was a lot of really cool different things that happened. I really love the entire chemistry. As much as I'm not really for the Bobby Lashley, Lana stuff, it is funny and entertaining, but I'm not really a fan of it. I like the chemistry between the two of them in this match. I like the way Lashley would get his heat. You know, I like the fact that, uh, you know, just a cliche heel babyface thing. They tag in Rusev and now Lashley. Now he's going to tag himself out. You know, he's not going to be involved while Rusev is in the ring and then Rusev has to face someone else. They kept him away from each other enough. And then finally he gets him later on. You know, like when he turns around, he sees Rusev. I just like that whole story between the two of them. Uh, I thought that was really well done. Um, obviously Corbin, as usual, looked really good, really fast in the ring. Um, the stuff with Mustafa, all really cool looking stuff. Um, Nakamura as well, his sliding German, his suplex on Ali, that fall away, um, sliding German that he does, really fucking cool looking. Um, you know, Ali's, um, back suplex and the tornado DDT, everything. Like I said, this was just really, really cool looking stuff. You know, Hogan and Flair didn't do shit. Anyone who thought that they were going to get involved and whatever, you know, the most they got involved with being at ringside slapping the apron, I guess is the most you're going to get out of them. Neither one of them is going to bump if you want to see them again, you know? Exactly. It's not going to just take the Saudi government to make you have to worry about those motherfuckers if they get in the ring. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh. So, any thoughts on this match besides, uh. I mean, it was, it it was, it's always good to see Hogan. I'm always glad to see him. Yeah, I said it. Black, I said it. But, um, yeah, it's. The, the 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 yeah I said I think that's my one gripe is that it wasn't an elimination style match. 
Yeah, but that being said, I only don't like those because sometimes the elimination makes you feel unfulfilled. Whereas with this one, it really didn't. It felt like one team completely finally defeated the other team. You know, Ali winds up uh, countering the RKO and then Ricochet winds up using that opportunity to hit Orton with the shooting star press. And then Ali and Ricochet both wind up diving on Lashley and Corbin, which leaves Roman Reigns open um, to spear Orton and go over. So it felt like it was a unified attack from everyone. Yeah. And it's more definitive. What I don't like about the team match is when someone slips in and grabs a, you know, hooks a leg in the middle of everything. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, like everything's still in play. But this felt like everybody, like, you know, the heels were down. You know what I mean? Like the heels were down and out everywhere. And then the cover was there. There was no one who could save him. Everyone got hit with finishers. So when it's done like that, I don't mind it. They gave them the TV ending. You know, and they popped the crowd. And at that point, I was really worried for Rollins' title because it was like, oh, shit. This, <laughs> has, been, this has been some really feel-good moments here. <laughs> like, what are, they planning, what are they planning for the ending? You know, there must be something, you know. And uh, that finally brings us to the main event, I believe, right? The False Count Anyway Universal Championship match. Seth Rollins defending against The Fiend Bray. And this match cannot be stopped for any reason, which in my head I was going, y'all fuckers are going to find some reason to stop it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, the match, this is probably the only match that I was not a fan of. And it's mainly because they did everything that people complained about again. And that to me shows just how fucking oblivious and out of touch they are. Like I was laughing watching it because it was like, man, they just literally did the same thing again. It's like having an animal that you're training that literally just shits in the same corner of the room. Like, I just can't believe that they did it again. First thing that happened, the lights went red. It was like, are you kidding me? After everyone complained about this, you turn the fucking lights red again for this match? Problem number one. Problem number two, what was everyone complaining about? The over-excessive use of the curb stomp as a finisher on Bray over and over again. And they did it more, dude. I can't believe they went back to the well for that shit. It was curb stomp after curb stomp after curb stomp with the red darkness. I was I was like literally on edge just because I was thinking, is the next thing that happens going to be that the ref stops the match? Like, are they going right? to just go all the way? Is this, are they just going to pull their dick out in the mid, at the end of this pay-per-view? Because that's what I feel like is happening here. Like, they, we didn't like the red light. You gave us red light. We didn't like the repeated curb stop. You gave us curb stop. We hated the fact that the ref stopped. Is the ref going to just stop it and then the thing's going to go home? You know, we're going to go home. Thank you for watching Crown Jewel with the credit. I was really worried. So I was saying to myself, the only way I'm going to be okay with this, the only way this is going to work for me, is if this finish, the payoff to putting us through this shit again is that Bray at least goes over this time. Exactly, and that's what we got because after uh, getting super kicked into the pyrotechnics area, <laughs> Rollins went down to finish it. I don't know why he decided to do this, but he starts pulling onto the cases and a spark caught him in the eyes. Fiend, the fiend fucking rises from the ashes and comes hits him with a mandible claw, and then Sister Abigail and the fiend is the new Universal Champion. Yeah, so we're going to see what happens with that. I mean, if I, the match wasn't good because they're doing all of the things people don't yeah. like, but the ending sort of makes up for it, and it only sort of makes up for it. That's still a bad idea that these guys can't have a normal wrestling match without having the stupid curb stomp in the red combo thing. You know, get rid of the exactly. red lighting and don't have anyone get hit with multiple finishers like that. Because for one thing, you guys already proved the last match. He can't beat him with that stomp. 
And so now there's this no match, point and, in stomping him more and more. And now this match, it costs him the title. But now you kind of write yourself into a corner because now what what happens? What comes into play next is what is it going to take for someone to take the title from a guy who got hit with Seth Rollins, who was being pushed as their top guy, who gets hit with like 12 of his finishers. So well, who beats this guy now? Because you can't just have somebody come in there and hit like a regular move. You know, he can't just take a trouble in paradise and then lose the title because we already know he can survive like nine curb stomps. So yeah. what the fuck do you do? This is, this is where that whole thing in the chat room earlier, you probably caught it when Kool was talking about some, oh, I wanted Brock versus Bray. You can't make that work. They've booked themselves into a situation where that will not work. It will yeah. fail miserably because Brock couldn't survive four. Bray survived about a thousand. Yeah. They, what you do is you don't do that. Exactly. You don't you do that in the first place. You just don't do that shit. It's very simple. And the sad part about it is, well, this could have all been avoided if they just didn't stop the damn cell match. Yeah, that is. We literally true. didn't even have to be at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing how much stuff can get cut out if you just don't do stupid shit in the first place. Yeah, I agree. I mean, hey, Bray's champ, and I do like the celebration. Um, it the lights cutting out, which actually is one of my favorite things. With um, that the fiend does. It's one of the few things that's actually done well in the game. Is um. That celebration, the fact that the lights are cut out, they just be sitting there. You just made the list! Oh no! Oh, here we go. (laughs) Thank you, War Crimer DX, for the follow. Thank you, sir. Yeah, but that was a really cool, like, final visual just to see the Fiend standing at the top of the ramp, Universal Championship in hand. It was worth it because that's the only part of the pay per view that kind of annoyed me. That's the only way that, at this point, they don't get to have Seth win that match at that point. Like that's the oh, and that's what that's what only WWE ever seems to do. They only ever WWE is the only company that seems to manage to book themselves into these points where this person literally cannot win under any circumstance. Yeah, and then after that, they all got on their planes. Twenty four hours later, <laughs> you know they escaped from a grueling situation. Someone eventually came for them, like in the beginning of Gears One, right? Oh no! All right, well. Let's go into a little bit more news before we wrap up here with the end weeklies. Um, update on Jordan's Miles, aka ACH. Apparently, the fans turned on him on social media and started calling him a Jussie Smollett. Remember Jussie Smollett? <laughs> I remember, remember him. Remember how crazy that guy was? That guy was a fucking lunatic. <sighs> Dramatic over nothing. Yeah. I know who. That's fucking wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, Jordan Miles came up with his own merchandise. He came up with fuck racism shirts. Have you seen those? I haven't. <laughs> you, know, you need to get one, man. No, no, no. What? See, see, see I, I do this thing called like having shit to do. Like fucking. Yeah, one of the things that you have to do is fuck racism. <laughs> I fuck bitches, not racism, all right? Like, <laughs> guess which one's more fun? <laughs> All money goes to the ADAA Foundation, and he says, WTF, I need money for. I don't know. Talk, get back to me after uh, your future endeavors with that. What do I need money for shit? When you say that shit, no, give me the money. Next thing you know, we go have ACH EBT cards and shit. Don't fucking fuck racism, watch wrestling. You see? There it is. <laughs> That's beautiful. Ridiculous. Yeah, because you know, race, because cause, you know, they're totally racist for letting you win that breakout tournament, right? Cameron Grimes, who's actually wrestling on TV, easily could have won. Oh, God. 
I don't know, man. I mean, there's certain things about this shirt that bother me. Like one thing that I noticed that sticks out to me is that it is a black shirt. <laughs> with white letters. With a white what are you letter insinuating, sir? What is going on here, man? The fuck is that? Did you hear what Booker T had to say? I think we played uh, that out last week. No, we didn't. Okay. We didn't. Uh, we we didn't? didn't play it. Oh, no. Um, I didn't hear what Booker T had to say, but I actually do uh, think that I have that somewhere here. But uh, yeah, give me just a minute to cue it up. <sighs> it's just amazing that like you can just draw so much out of so fucking little. Like it, it's a shirt, bro. Calm your tits, like. If you spent this much energy trying to actually do some shit with your fucking wrestling career, I just seen you on TV past Adam Cole whooping your ass. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what are you Jesus doing, man? Christ. The company is racist, but the longest reign WWE tag team champions, oh, they're all black. Yeah, too much, man. Too much. I, I hate people that try to pull that racism card just because one thing doesn't go their fucking way. Like, calm that shit down. We had a black president. Shut the fuck up, dude. Keyword though had, then he became yeah. white. They were just fluffing us before they gave us the white He's man. Stupid. They could find. We'll give He's him the stupid. black guy for a couple of a couple of terms, and then we'll find the whitest person in the world. Some motherfuckers gonna be halogen bold white. <laughs> we're gonna find the whitest guy that we can. <laughs> Look, everybody, it's Casper. <laughs> Everything's a conspiracy. That's what it really comes down to. Everything's a conspiracy. This is all a secret conspiracy to get you to do I don't know what at this point. Why do you think it's always black licorice that everybody hates? (laughs) But man, it tastes like asshole. It's black. Yeah, exactly. You know, you guys got to be attentive to this kind of shit. You ever ask yourself why it is that black people like Jolly Ranchers, yet there is no black Jolly Rancher. <laughs> huh? Was, that is true. Was, so what is up. going on I with never, that shit, I right? never thought about that till today. There is no black Jolly Rancher. You know, they're trying to fuck with you guys. Why is there only white rice, not black rice? Exactly. Why is there only white rice? The fuck? Why is it we the whites of the eggs and not the blacks? You know, open your eyes, people. They're fucking with you out there. Yeah, I could be Jordan Miles' best friend without even meaning to. Just pull races by a dumb shit. Here's the Booker T thing. All right, yeah, let's go to Twitter. Um, There's is, this is a question that's been coming up a lot. I've seen uh, so far from this tweet, so let's go ahead and ask it. At Nate Laws 2 wants to know, how do you feel, Booker, about the Jordan Miles situation? <laughs> Jordan Miles uh, situation, formerly known as A C H, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you who don't know, there was a there was a you know post that he put out about a T shirt um, that, that he found to be racially inappropriate in some ways, and he's he's voices uh, opinion about it, and there's been a lot of people. Um, it's been all over social media, pretty much for wrestling. I mean, Sports Illustrated, everybody's been talking about it, and and I've seen your name get thrown out there a lot about what is Booker T. My name been thrown out a whole lot. Yeah. First and foremost. Um, I must say this first before we even move any further. As far as I've been in WWE for, um, been a part of the company since 2002. 2001. Well, 2001, you know, officially, you know, I got kicked off in 2002. Um, and I've, I've had several t shirts 
And every time I've had a T-shirt all the way up until the Hall of Fame, which was the last one they made, I think, um, was um, they, they came to me and they had given me several different designs as far as, you know, how do I like this one? How do I like this one? How do I like this one? Uh, even going back to WCW, every time I've had a T-shirt, um, I was part of the process. Every time I knew exactly what, what it was going to look like. Um, so therefore I, I don't know how this t-shirt got out without him actually knowing about it first and foremost. Um, that being said, um, my name has been thrown out there as far as where is Booker T, you know, and even Mark Henry, people have been saying where is Mark Henry. Yeah. But first and foremost, it's not our job just to step up, um, and, 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 and defend Jordan Miles over his t-shirt. Okay. Now, one thing I can say about t-shirts, the t-shirt is, it's not a, it's not a good looking t-shirt. All right. It's an ugly shirt. All right. I, I can't, I can't say that. Right. Uh, the t-shirt has a black background to it. Now, 90% of t- the t-shirts that are made got a, got a black background to it. Okay. What did it look like? Blackface? Maybe some people on social media said that it's a lot of negative people on social media that's looking for any thing that they could possibly find to make racial okay first and foremost it happens all the time um so therefore is it a racial uh racially driven concept of a, of a t-shirt me personally in 2019 i cannot think uh, that the the guys actually went into it thinking let's make a racial shirt about jordan miles i just me personally i a lot of people may think that but i just don't think the firestorm is not worth going through this it's just not um so so therefore um is it is it something that you know should have been discussed is it something that should have been talked about yes but this going to social media crap is the worst thing i've ever seen in my life that's you you could be working at at jack in a box and if something happened you want to go to social media and talk about it your 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 business it's your job is your business. All right. With that company It's not for the world to come in. I don't know when the last time somebody on social media signed my check. Okay. All right. So, and, 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 okay. Okay. Now you say, okay. Oh, just because people on social media don't sign your check, they shouldn't know what you, what you're doing. You damn right. That's why <laughs> they have, no reason to be in my life from a business aspect. Okay. And I'm, and I'm venting a little bit right now because I'm a little hot about it because my name has been thrown in it first and foremost, something like this. If, if it does come up, it should be handled and it should be handled, um, behind closed doors. Now I say that because I've had many of racial issues that I have dealt with in this business and not a one of them have ever been on social media. I've never complained to social media about any racial situation that I've been in. And I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody knows me, anybody in this wrestling business, um, knows Booker T they know exactly what I've gone through and how I've handled every situation that have never been a racial issue that have gone over my head or that I swept under the rug. Every single time someone has said anything racial around me, I've handled it. 
and to hear this Uncle Tom crap, you know, um, calling, um, you know, I heard, you know, Jay Lethal's name. I know Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal has put in almost 20 years in this business. He's no Uncle Tom. I've heard people call me an Uncle Tom. And if, if they do it, I wish they would do it to my face. Don't do it behind those characters. Don't do it behind social media. Don't do it behind a cloak of it, of, of anonymity. Do it in my face. Okay. Because I'll show you what an Uncle Tom really looks like. Okay. Um, it, it, if you do it out in public. So so therefore, my thing is this, and I'm, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Social media and your and your business, they don't go together, okay? That's just my opinion on that. And leave my name out of this crap. Stand with you, stand behind you. I'm standing way back on this one, all right? Because I tell you, this could have been handled a whole lot differently than it's being this is not a Colin Kaepernick moment okay let's just get that straight first and foremost and if anybody got something to say I'm a very easy man to find I'm at the Intercontinental Hotel in Los Angeles California legit Davis kicking back relaxing what else we got oh my god because you know because you know know, Twitter band got the balls to come through there yeah just like I said last week guys you know that's not the appropriate way to handle things. It's, it's like I and you guys know I know Jordan Miles. I've I've spoken to ACH personally. He's a cool guy. He's been always cool to me. So it's awkward for me. But again, it's just not the way to go about. Like I've I've said that to friends we've had on here. You know, there are people. You know, full disclosure here. There are people that are that are no longer really on the air because of their social media conduct. You know, we don't talk too much about the behind the scenes shit here. We don't pull the current back very often, but it got to a point where there were just things that were being said that I didn't feel comfortable about. There were views that were being expressed that I didn't feel comfortable about. And I just decided, you know what? I think I'm good. I think I'd rather, uh, you know, incorporate people who I share similar values with, which I think is perfectly acceptable as opposed to people who don't. And I think social media sometimes isn't the best place to let off a lot of steam, you know? So, I mean, he said it perfectly. Nobody on social media who changes their freaking profile picture to black and white or all the other bullshit, they don't sign your paychecks. You know, and he, we don't know what the perspective of was on this shirt or if it was meant to be racist or not. But the point is, you, you should handle that privately. And I think social media should be a form of elevation at the end of the day. All right, they didn't do anything. They didn't care. They told me to go fuck myself. Now I'm going to go on social media and expose them. But it just kind of felt like the first channel that he took was to be on social media. Yeah. You know, which I just think that could have been if you care about working for this company, you know, that's the that's the one thing. And Titus O'Neil went on and he uh he tweeted to him, too. And he said, uh, I'm 100 percent in agreement that the shirt is very distasteful. That being said, bringing others into this to vent your frustrations or issues that have nothing to do with WWE or the shirt is also very distasteful. If it's hashtag for the culture, don't attack those in it. Oh, yeah. and that was first for that Jay Lethal thing. Jay Lethal ain't got nothing to do with this. So what the, Jay Lethal is too busy actually being on TV. So what the fuck are you bringing him into this for? Like, yeah, Kenny King. Uh. You know, he he also released a statement where he said, just landed back in the States. Right right now, I'd like to say this. I'm 100% unapologetically from my head to my toes. Hashtag for the culture. However, I will not tolerate any undue slander towards Jay Lethal. Let's not do this. Let's be better. 
So it seems like he comes up with a hashtag and everybody else is living it better than him. (laughs) It's just another person using a hashtag for their own little agenda. Yeah. So, you know, you have that going on where he went about it the wrong way. There's the fuck racism merchandise. Um, Apparently, at one point, he must have gotten into trouble with his Twitter account got locked because he wound up tweeting, I'm out of Twitter jail. Trap my page, but never my mind. I will stand by what I said. It might just be the fact that uh he called Jay Lethal with the Uncle Tom. It might be the fact that he called a billion dollar corporation out that he called for in a video saying they don't care about black people. Um you know, but he said that he deleted those tweets because they were fueled by rage, but he's not taking back what he said. But he said that a close friend thought that it wasn't a good look, and he's not taking back his words. He admits that rage got the best of him. He could have expressed himself a lot better than he originally did, you know. And uh, then he winds up releasing this gigantic Instagram statement specifically to ruin the end of my evening. So let's see what the fuck this is. Uh, indeed, right? I don't let's, know. Just hold, let's, just, let's just hold hands and get through it. Sing Kumbaya, baby. We out here. Even know what the hell's <laughs> loading up on the screen here. Bear with us, guys. We got a lot running. Sometimes shit doesn't always load. Yeah, especially AZH's bullshit. Yeah. Sometimes I take some man to get that in there. Hey, at least was, he has a shirt. I, was I that friend that told him to take it down? No, no. We we lost touch because he he. I met him via Xbox, and then he wound up on a PS4 for the imports. Big I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna need him to go to Commodore 64 with that kind of bullshit because I got both. So no. <laughs> All right. So here it is. That's just his picture, and then the statements underneath. So fuck it. I guess I'll just read the, the statement here. Okay. He says, "Uh, my tweets yesterday were completely disrespectful and were unprofessional. I have." offend a ton of people and use anger to fuel me with that being said i'd like to take this time to stay and apologize for not this can't be real like there's so much grammatical shit here i'd like to state and apologize for not giving a shit about what others think of me the anger i have inside of me has been built up for years now call me what you want but you'll never ever be able to call me fake i've been lied to used and often mistreated by others who i viewed as associates i've tiptoed i've tipped toe it should be i tiptoed but it's i've tipped toe around kept quiet even took some l's when necessary emotionally charged up due to the shirt which triggered past emotions i'm never going to be sorry for being mean nor will i take back my word i'm the damn professional wrestler i'm the damn professional wrestler in the world and universe today I feel like there's a word missing there. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's ever been the damn professional wrestler before a new gimmick. I'm the damn professional wrestler <laughs> in the world and universe today. My ribs are touching and I'm tired of waiting. Time to snatch plates from those that have been eating far too long and always gets seconds while guys like myself have to eat crumbs from the floor like an unwanted child. For four years, I gave my all to a promotion only to find out that you could only reach so high just as long as you didn't surpass certain quote-unquote people. I never begged for anything. I never kissed no ass, nor did nor did rub elbows with the right people to get ahead. I hustled, worked hard. I didn't call Hunter every day to get booked in New Japan. Shout out to NJPW. I earned it. I've always wanted to. And to be clear, the Hunter he's talking about is delirious. 
Um, I know people get confused about that, but anyway, I've always wanted to be the guy and of no one will allow me to be in that. I've always wanted to be the guy and of no one will allow me to be in that spot. I shall blaze my own trail to that spot. Rather it be by the approval of others or not. Today I shall continue to go the distance. Today I shall Lee moving forward. Who fucking Rock Lee or Bruce Lee? What the fuck is going on? Today I shall. <laughs> today I shall Lee moving forward. Like I'm not even sure. What I think it's supposed to be shall be. But well, why would no, because L e's? and B aren't even near each other. And then there's two E's. I shall Lee moving forward. Today I shall rise up from my past ashes like a dark phoenix and promote change in the industry. Remember these words, I am the best in the world, and no man or woman will stop me from being honest. Go to distance. Hashtag miles ahead. So I get the general idea here, and I, I'm not even trying to be a grammar Nazi here, but read that shit over once, if it's going to be a lengthy statement like this, to make sure that all of the words connect together. Oh, that hurt you know to I mean? hear. It was like, yeah, there were certain ones where I wasn't even really sure what the hell was going on here. You know, why do you got to be a dark phoenix? Is it because you're black? You realize the dark phoenix is evil. You know, you just want to rise like a regular phoenix. Dark phoenix. Find me a good dark phoenix movie. We're waiting miles. <laughs> yeah, legit. We're going to wait right here. This show's now going to go on for the rest of just us sitting here in stoic fucking silence until that's answered. <laughs> <laughs> you find it, I'll buy the fucking shirt. Find it. God, oh my god. You can't type, but you're trying to talk shit. <laughs> so Mike Johnson of PW Insider has reported that Jordan Moss hasn't been at the WWE Performance Center in weeks, and he's been absent from NXT live events and TV tapings. Some even thought that he went back to Texas. They said that they've been told that he's not been seen there, and that uh, he had returned to Texas to handle some family duties and some family emergencies, and others were told that he was in Orlando. Um, but he hasn't been at events. And, uh, then the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported that he's been out of action since September, and this is when he quote-unquote disappeared, and it was reported that he's on a medical leave, but that it's not injury-related. So he's on medical leave, but not injury-related. Huh. That is strange. Yeah, yeah. He has a case of the Vinces. You picked up the wrong people. Oh, shit. They don't have no antibiotic for that shit, man. That's what it is. He has a case of the Vinces. He's coming down with the Vinces now. You went and you ran your mouth, and now, you know, you suddenly are feeling God damn, pal. It reminds me of uh, in Game of Thrones when uh, Tywin got tired of Joffrey's shit and he was like, Sir Illin, the king is tired. Send him to bed. Remember that shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. And then, coincidentally, after that story about him being on medical leave for a non-injury, we start hearing... Uh, from Brad Shepard that Vince McMahon's considering terminating his contract. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know. For the unemployment. <laughs> and then I'd, I'd like to say that I found this just putting together the program, but it's just got retweeted so much. It was just on my front social media, but then he tweeted. I thought this was a fake him because I was thinking there's no way that this is still going on. If WWE doesn't reach out to me by tomorrow, I'll make sure my voice and my movement will be heard. Hashtag for the culture. Like your movement and your voice is being heard. 
it's also Monday. I know how busy Mondays can be. They might not fucking be able to reach out to you specifically today of all days, you know, and uh, you're still calling them out on social media. They're going to totally make you pay for this. They'll reach a point where they don't give a fuck if you try to play the race card. Oh, my God. Like, like what is he doing, man? Somebody please explain to me what this dude is doing. Like, if they give this, uh, smoky on Friday, how are you going to get fired on your day off? Like, <laughs> 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 rename him to Smokey Miles. It's coming off. Smokey really... Miles, right there. <laughs> It's coming off a little crazy. I hate to say, it, but it just sounds, a little, you know, <laughs> a little crazy was the first tweet. This shit is manic. Like, man, you know what they're gonna do? There's no way to. There's no way around the animosity and heat. You could feel the heat. You could bake with this heat. Mark AEW don't want to take him in his bullshit. I don't know if anyone wants to deal with someone who's saying shit like that. Because what's going to happen is he's going to lose and then go, oh, because I'm black. Oh, boy. Cody don't got time to hear about all the fucking the, the racial injustices he did. Like like being able to win the fucking breakout tournament and get an NXT title shot the first month in. I actually just checked social media just now to see if he's even still employed by them because I figured that's how fast it's going to happen. It's just going to be like a clash of thunder. No, he's still there. As of this moment, we'll check again in the morning because he'll be gone soon. You know? Should check again when we get off the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not gonna be that much longer, man. You know, but yeah, that's pretty much the story of uh, Jordan Miles this week. Oh, I guess there was a lot more news than I had actually really thought that there was. I felt like it was gonna be a short one, but look at how much shit there is. You know, we gotta wrap up soon. See if there's anything. Can we can we skip injuries this week? Let me see if there's anything detrimental on here that makes us need to do the injury thing. You know what, man? I think we can. This is Dakota Kai knee injury. Are you? Is this real? We'll get into no. that next week. What the? F- yeah, so let's give that about a week to stir. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I need to. Let me let that marinate for a little bit. All right. So what do we do? We're gonna talk SmackDown and Raw. Yeah. Good old SmackDown. It was so good, I don't remember a single fucking thing about it. Jog my memory as far as the... Well, um, I mean, most of the roster wasn't there because, you know, somebody parked a goose in front of the plane, so... Yeah, no, this was the best yeah. SmackDown ever, from what I've been hearing. Oh, yeah. Fucking legendary, the man. <laughs> there were, there were <laughs> NXT people <laughs> all over <laughs> the place. This was better than that night the Krangle of Brock Lesnar had that Iron Man match. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, it was incredible. I've never seen anything like this before. It was people from the Wednesday show. Dude, dude, it, it, it was so good. They kicked off the night with Brock Lesnar quitting SmackDown to get his hands on Raw's original cereal. Yeah, pretty much. You know, Renee Young got kicked in the face. That shit was funny. You know, a lot of a lot of incredible things happened. So, is it just me, or did Renee come off more annoying on this SmackDown? I don't think it's so much that Renee came off annoying on this SmackDown as it is that Renee is annoyed at being on SmackDown. I think is the bigger problem. Yeah, something just seemed kind of weird. Like Renee doesn't like that job, and she doesn't want to ever deal with that shit again. She's happy on Fox doing Fox yeah. stuff, and she can't stand that thing. And even though she hasn't said it in so many words, it's quite obvious. As a matter of fact, she uh, 
she was recently on a podcast. What was she on recently? Let me find out. She was on a Sports Illustrated podcast, Sports Illustrated Media. And uh, I'm going to link you guys to the whole thing. But this is what she had to say about her time on Raw Commentary. They made me wear a bunch of different hats the day that I was in there. It was really like uh, an audition boot camp just to see what I could bring to the table. And then when I did sign the contract there, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. I assumed when I signed there that I would be doing something like the show I was doing for the score, which evidently is now what I'm doing uh, for FS1 with with that stage. But there's been a lot of different hats I've worn back on that journey to get to this this platform again. I mean, from doing backstage interviews, hosting network shows, um, doing, uh, I never really did too many live event things, but to, you know, doing commentary for a year, doing kickoff shows. I've done so many different things within WWE, but I feel like I've just recently landed back in my sweet spot. I never felt comfortable doing that job. Um, I always, it was a very stressful year to be completely honest. It's like, you look at that situation of, you know, I'm here in WWE, uh, you know, kind of like the first female to come in in that role. Obviously, that role's grown exponentially since with so many other women that we have backstage doing shows and hosting shows, et cetera, et cetera. But at the time, I kind of done everything. So I was like, what can I do? I need to do something else. I can't just stand here and do these backstage interviews anymore. Like, I need something else to chew on. Mm-hmm. So you have Michael Cole and Triple H pull me aside one week more like, hey, you're going to um, do commentary on Monday Night Raw next week. And I was like, what? Why? <laughs> Who approved <laughs> this? Whose idea was this? But it's like anything. You're like, all right, damn, this opportunity is in front of me. I'm going to try and figure it out. I right. consider myself fairly talented at being able to talk. I know the ins and outs of the wrestling business. This should this should work. I'm sure I can make something work of this. Um but yeah, I mean, to go out there and call three hours of, of wrestling and coming from the background that I, that I come from of more, like I'm a host and I like being able to have more of a bubbly personality. And I think that that is what fans have been a little bit more drawn to, or they're drawn to my sarcastic side, that I can be a smart ass. It's really hard to do that on commentary, um, right. especially when, you know, you've got Graves, who's he's great at that, um, but also stepping in there as a third person. I'm used to being that A person. I didn't get to drive the ship. So to have Cole and Graves be in their rhythm, and then I'm trying to jump in there, and kind of everything's already been said. Uh, it, it was just, it was odd. You know, I tried to come at it from a fan standpoint, um, but then that doesn't always work, because that doesn't always yeah. seem to be what necessarily they want you to be saying or doing. Right. Um, so I just, I just always felt a little bit of misdirection about what my purpose was out there. And then <laughs> on top of that, trying to call my husband's matches, uh, when right. he was still with WWE. So there was, you know, there was a lot of different weird factors and not to be making excuses about Did it. You... It just wasn't the right gig for me. It wasn't right. for me. And right. it's, you know, people that excel at that, it is a tough job, man, to be out there and talking in sound bites. And you've got to talk at specific points in a match, whether you're talking through somebody's comeback or, you know, someone's feet, blah, 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 that for me to try to get in a bit of information just during somebody's entrance where it felt like a normal spot for me to talk, and we've got promo segments and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, yeah, it, it you, was a doozy. It was yeah. a doozy. Yeah, that's how she likes that job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even her not liking the job, I still tolerate her more than fucking Aiden. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, nobody's really good at their job anymore. It's a lost start, like we've said on here many times before. Good God. But yeah, um, after Brock decided to quit 
SmackDown, we had uh, SmackDown, SmackDown Women's Title, Bailey versus Nikki Cross, with uh, Bailey going over with uh, that Macho Man elbow for the win. Yep. And after that, the fun started because Shayna Baszler came out and fucked up everything moving. And mostly <laughs> Bailey though, but everything else was fucked up too. Oh god, like she. Was he? Was, I think Bailey got hit with like two knees at one point. Like, so I, I love how Sasha got like one HP. That was funny. Well, welcome back, Sasha. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that that was uh that was fun. But um, and I love like this, I don't know why this is slightly becoming my new favorite thing that Sami Zayn does. So he was backstage, pretty much talking shit, and then Keith Lee and Matt Riddle show up. And Sami Zayn makes a motion as if he's going to reveal an NXT shirt. It, he, he doesn't have a fucking shirt. And he starts trying to like almost do that casual saute away in the backstage area. And then just takes off out the um, down the ramp to the ring. He proceeds to catch, I think, um, that that ripcord knee from Riddle followed by the Bo Derek and then a middle rope moonsault from Keith Lee. Well, you see what I mean? And this is the show that everyone's like way better than regular SmackDown. For starters, why did Shayna Baszler attack Bailey and all the other girls just because NXT is invading? And if that's the angle here, how did they make things better by burying the top talent to the NXT talent? Like, yeah, Shayna should look like a badass, but she came in there and squashed everybody. They made all of the main, the, the, the main roster talent look like shit in this scenario and then with the Sami Zayn thing yeah it's funny and all cartoony and all you know merry melodies and shit but at the end of the day why were they after Sami what did he do like they don't even know each other like why out of nowhere would they be standing there and just be after him specifically like that just didn't really make any sense to me it was kind of like if anything that's one of the more harmless people if you're coming there for an invasion you know and if he's also a heel it was just weird to me just the way that was done where it was just kind of like they didn't really showcase too much of what those guys can do, and it really wasn't that big of a statement. And if it was a statement, I'm not sure what statement it was. Like, yeah, we both came after Sami Zayn for some reason. Why would he be wearing an NXT shirt, and why would it offend you if he does? He isn't. I don't know. Just the whole thing didn't resonate well with me. You know, I get that it's wrestling. You're not supposed to think too much into it, but at least make some fucking continuity sense to me. Like, why are these two guys attacking Sami Zayn aside from yeah. for shits? You know, they, so so th- that to me just doesn't make the best SmackDown. Just because something different happened doesn't mean that it will be something great. They they give us so little to work with. You have to think deep into it. Yeah, but then speaking of little to work with, Miz TV was uh, originally supposed to have Bray Wyatt as his guest, but Miz decides to. I, I don't know how they managed to segue this, but Miz decides to interview himself. But is immediately interrupted by good old Blackheart uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, and Miz is a face, by the way. He shouldn't be interviewing himself. Right? That, that's a heel move. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, and then it becomes a Tommaso Ciampa interview. Yeah, and the, which then turns into a match between Tommaso Ciampa, which with a match between Ciampa and Miz, which ends with uh, after Miz gets caught with a knee coming off the top rope, Tommaso connects with the fairy tale ending for the win. If you if you were determined enough to make it to SmackDown, your reward was jobbing out to NXT guys in storylines that had no build up, no lead, and nothing. Just fucking with the jobbing you out, you know. And these old guys I like in NXT, but they were given no no storyline. This is terrible. Yeah. 
I get that it was an emergency. Beat up everything that's not NXT. Like I get that it was an emergency, but people need to stop acting like it was such a good SmackDown. Marks and I don't normally judge people, but if you if you thought this was a good SmackDown, you're a Mark. Oh God! But then <laughs> we have up next supposed to be Fire and Desire versus <laughs> this is fucking amazing Carmella and Dana Brooke. But instead, Dana Brooke and Carmella are backstage getting their asses kicked by our, who was it, Bianca but, Belair? Bian- and, uh, and Bianca gave one of those, you've been acting up at school ass whoopings. Like, she fucked them up. So once again, we got more SmackDown people looking like shit. It wasn't 50-50. That's the problem I'm huh. having with this. If you're going to do some sort of an invasion, the first attack, how come it, no it, one in the entire SmackDown locker room of veterans was able to defend themselves against a bunch of people that ran in from full sale? You would think... An hour into the show, you've heard, hey, NXT guys are here beating everybody up, kind of beyond edge. But the fun didn't even start there, stop there because Mandy and, um, Mandy and Sonya get greeted by Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley in an impromptu tag match with the finish being Mandy gets caught with the shiniest wizard, followed by that horrific looking new submission that Rhea's unleashed. And in a match that lasted all of a minute and a half. So, so, but look at that. So now we got more, once again, more NXT people going over. You know, basically you, what, what WWE's telling people is why should we watch Fox? Let's just watch or USA you, on Wednesdays. Right. They, they basically told us there's a reason Raw and SmackDown aren't going against AEW. There's a reason it's NXT. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in the only competitive thing all night, we had the main event, which was a set up earlier when Daniel Bryan confronted Triple H and Shawn Michaels backstage. Well, hold on. Wait, wait, because I do want people to get to see this bump. I'm sorry. I should have brought it up sooner, but this is the Renee Young bump just because this was really rough. Oh, God. That poor girl. Ever NXT UK Women's Champion. And now Tegan Knox is... Shit. Yeah, poor Renee, right? Oh, that poor girl. Let's go back to that one more time. Look it right to the face. We hit, we hit commentators with whole human beings. <laughs> this is how we do it in NXT. We throw people at you. I just wanted to get it one time full screen. Yeah, poor Renee got the shit kicked out of her. I, I love that. Like, first day back on the job. Face shot. Didn't take me out because I got that Fox money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Took it right to the face. Oh, and it returns. <laughs> Took it right to the face. Oh, I missed that drop. It Holy is that Fox shit. money. Damn, so I know you better repair that nose with that Fox money, baby. Yeah, well, there's that bump. Anyway, continue your wonderful <sighs> SmackDown story. I was yeah, really yeah, invested. It's fucking amazing. Like, like AEW couldn't fuck with the SmackDown because um, we had the main event because it was te- um, basically announced earlier in the night when Daniel Bryan confronted Triple H and Shawn Michaels asking why they were there. And Daniel Bryan challenges Adam Cole for his NXT championship. So Adam Cole becoming the first NXT champion to defend his title on SmackDown. And we had the main event and the finish of this match. 
Adam Cole hitting a Panama Sunrise, followed by the last shot, and retains his NXT championship because they were totally going to change the title on SmackDown. Yeah, exactly. So basically, everyone on SmackDown sucks. Everyone on NXT is way better than them, even better than Daniel Bryan. And uh, that's all that we got from this. The end. I mean, that was old news for me. They finally realized it. So, <laughs> oh boy, greatest SmackDown ever, guys. Yeah. yeah. And that brings us to Raw that was, I believe it was in my neck of the woods somewhere, wasn't it? It was somewhere out there. Somewhere in New York, I believe. But uh, I think they were in Long Island, as a matter of fact. And it opens with Brock Lesnar's hunting Ray. He's beating people up backstage looking for Ray Mysterio with Paul Heyman. That's what the whole storyline of this is. We're going to find Ray. We're going to beat up Ray. Uh, the first official match being Charlotte and Natalia against the Kabuki Warriors with the finish being Natalia tapping out Asuka. And like I said in the chat, I'm really good that they're now starting to have the kind of matches that complement Natalia's wrestling style and showcase how consistently good she really is. I like the fact that they did fast exchanges, good transitions, grapples, and, you know, the, the multiple attempts into the sharpshooter or the way she would roll out of things. Uh, very well done. Very cool. Yeah, um, good match. You know, but then they go back to this where's Rey Mysterio bullshit and Heyman and Lesnar are harassing Jerry Lawler and then Heyman tells Lawler that no one's gonna resuscitate him this time when he dies on air. And then uh that Dio Madden guy he winds up getting beat up by Brock Lesnar and taking an F five through the table. And a Ray shows up with I guess what you're telling me is allegedly a pipe and then he beats up Brock Lesnar with it. It seemed more like that fucking cardboard shit that's left when you finish the paper towels. Like that, that, that's what like pipes in wrestling look like nowadays. I've noticed it's like because Scott Steiner used to run around with a pipe just like that one. Yeah, it just wasn't an impressive pipe. You know, it wasn't like a, you wouldn't bring this pipe home. <laughs> you wouldn't bring this pipe home to your parents. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like. <laughs> I tried that. <laughs> you know, this isn't, this wasn't exactly, this wasn't exactly a pipe that would make you pack up and move to Maine. You know what I mean? It was like a, this is a fucking average fucking pipe. Yeah, inside jokes down. Inside jokes. Anyway, so you shit for that <laughs> Yo, it's so funny though. This was this was so funny because like he was looking for him all night just to get zero offense in. Yeah, pretty much for Ray to whip his ass. Ray gave him the yo, Joe yo, Jackson yo, Ray ass gave whipping. Him, Ray gave him one of those you failed on your before called move your hand ass whooping. Like he hit him everywhere he wasn't blocking. Yeah. And then Rollins comes out to give a promo about how he's lost his direction in life and he doesn't know what to do yet because Bray Wyatt took his title and left the show and now Brock's back on this show but with the title that's not his and Triple H shows up and he's essentially trying to recruit Rollins into NXT and out comes the Undisputed Era to give him an offer he can't refuse but then the OC show up to chase them away and then this causes the whole situation where all of both locker rooms are bleeding out and uh they wind up getting ambushed by other NXT people but they all keep their hands off of Rollins and Rollins in turn also doesn't assist the Raw locker room against NXT which sort of leave things up in the air they're sort of doing like in TNA when the Aces and Eights uh would all scatter and not touch James Storm whenever he showed up, which led people to believe that it was James Storm who was going to turn, but it turned out to be Bubba Ray. It's just one of those style of angles that they were going for at this point in the show. Angles don't last weeks anymore. They last minutes, though, so that changes later on. Sin Cara and Catalina have a match against Andrade and Zelina Vega with the finish being Zelina going over with that, uh, I guess, that basement Rana yeah. spot that she likes to do. 
Rusev versus Drew McIntyre with the finish being Bobby Lashley isn't injured after all because this starts with Lashley. Rusev is in the, in the ring. He's calling Lashley out who shows up injured on crutches, but it was all a ruse just to get him to, uh, to have this match against Drew and he shows up and he attacks him with the crutches and, uh, Rusev manages to get his heat back despite Lashley's attack, but only for a moment before RKO out of nowhere, which completely confused Willie in the chat room. I think it ruined the end of Raw for him because he had no fucking idea why Randy Orton was there which I believe commentary mentioned it had something to do with the fact that he was part of Team Flair, which connects back to Rusev and uh, Lashley somehow, I guess, through that. You put way more effort in trying to figure it out than I did. Yeah. <laughs> and then somehow Ricochet manages to run in, and he somehow clears out all the fucking heels. It's so funny. This entire chaotic battle is happening. Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, you know, Randy Orton, all against Rusev. Rusev's down. There's no fucking relief in sight. And Ricochet runs down the fucking ramp and just clears the whole fucking ring. It's almost like they sleptwalked through writing this. You know, go back and watch that moment, though. I found it to be one of the most amusing things ever. You got these big, giant, behemoth men in the ring and all kinds of shit's happening. And here comes Ricochet. I like Ricochet. I think he's awesome. I've always been a big Ricochet fan. But here comes Ricochet. And somehow all the fucking heels are scattering everywhere. And he's just in the it, ring. It, it, it was like I said, realistically, the only one he actually had to clear was Orton because Rusev and Drew, I mean, um, McIntyre and Lashley, that's just McIntyre and Lashley. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's out here for blood, raw, RKO out of nowhere. Yeah. And then it's like ricochet, dun, 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 dun. And everybody's like, oh shit, let's get the fuck out of here. And it was just like, he's knocking people over the ropes. And so it was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> Like superhero shit needs to stop. Yeah, it's a little too much superhero. Like he should have some friends come out with him. This Lord knows there's enough people back there. Bring out fucking Hawkins and and, and this dude. Or they got the full roster. They'll make it back. Like what in the you hell is he doing well, coming out there and clearing the ring like that? You might you as know? well put a cape on him at this point. Yeah, I don't, don't think they to. want to. They're probably gonna. That's probably the Neville character that they never got to do now. Or some type you of know? fucking like leather vest on him or something like you know, where a, like it, it goes above his neck where it's just at the chin line. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you went in some detail with that shit. Yeah, fucking works, stupid. Man. Then we get Becky who's backstage interviewing with Charlie Caruso, but then Shayna Baszler comes and takes Charlie's seat and she's basically telling uh Becky that she's gonna fuck her up at the Survivor Series, which is a triple threat match between the champions, Becky, Bailey, and now Shayna. And Becky's just explaining how uh, anyone who's ever faced her has changed and that she's going to change her like she did Ronda. I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less the, what, what's being said here. The OC go up against the Street Profits with Humberto Carrillo, who's now an honorary Street Profit. Comes out and he does their intro, moves to their music. You know, he's part of their, their whole thing. Finish being AJ going over, though, which officially now makes him an inaugurated Street Profit um, because he hits him with the power bomb and puts his feet on the ropes and wins in heel fashion. Um, what else happens? The Viking Raiders beat up some jobbers for no reason. What else is new? Um, then what do we have? We have the main event, right? Rollins, uh, facing Adam Cole, baby, which was just pretty much a trap. It's a trap. And then the enemies all show up of NXT and they're jumping Rollins and the match gets thrown out and the baby faces show up and it's just a big brawl. Any, any aspects of this stand out to you? The clusterfuckery that it ends with? I mean, the cool thing was, at the very end, uh, Keith Lee with that tope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, man the ending, that, that man has no business being that big doing shit like that. Ending dive spots and things of that nature. Yeah, things like that are more or less what happened. And, uh, yeah, that was... I wrong. mean, it, it was basically just, once again, NXT made them look like bitches, but this time with a full roster. 
And guess what? This Raw had more direction than the SmackDown everybody was praising. At least everything <laughs> was consistent from beginning to end. Things connected and made sense. Storylines continued. And nobody know. said this was the greatest Raw of all time. Yeah, that's what this is. You know, it was the greatest Raw because it had uh, it had quite a few NXT guys on it, right? At the end, we saw Shayna, so it must be the greatest Raw. I mean, I like the Shayna and Becky exchange just because, let's be real, those are the only two to be taken seriously in that three-way. Bailey's just there. And that will <laughs> Bailey's be back to being just there. That's more of a reason for Bailey to take it and beat them both with Sasha's help because everybody's looking at it like, yeah, you got Shayna Baszler and you got the man. And then, ha-ha, these bitches took it from you both. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because Sasha grabs somebody's boot or whatever, you know, somebody did. And, and Bailey leaves with that victory. I'd totally give it to Bailey right now. I'd make right, her, just, just I'd, fuck with them. I would, I would really give her heat. I would make her get kicked out of the ring for most of the match and just come in and hook a leg at the end after after Becky and Shayna damn near kill each other. Have her oh, hook a God. leg and then when the other one goes to break it, have Sasha grabbing her leg, grabbing her leg from the apron <laughs> and getting it in then. Ah, just just yoink, fuck everybody. Yoink, fuck everybody <laughs> here. Goodbye to your match. That's how you get it. That's the kind of heat I like them to give. At least they'll be more entertaining than half the shit they do nowadays. Yeah, pretty much. Probably take way more thought. All right. Well, I think that's it. Are we, we ready to wrap up here? I know there's other news, but we talked about the most important stuff. We, we're we going late, though. We don't want to keep going late. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, hey, AEW, once again, whoop that ass. Yeah, exactly. And so, we'll do it again this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that being said, thank you. To everyone who hung out with us for this entire evening, Wooded Fiber 3084, Tin Grain 4483346, 6346, sorry, Running Bear 1979, War Crime DX, Bosdu 100, Problematic 666, Master Chief 3437, Fortnite Hog 280, oh, I'm sorry, Fortnite OG 280, not Hog, Fanatic Desert 17, Charcoal 209, Dead Boy 8. Six four eager John Cena SPG I I am Leo nine seven three infamous two zero six Steelers Diva Devils match one and three Mc McNeedly Daniel Mania eighty six hard to kill J Southside five zero two Forest Ghost twelve eight six nine Guapo eight five six Mark seven one eight Matt Squire Spartan Jesus ninety two Joe Wolko Stasis to cool Yaman Cooler Ice Willie V two Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live episode three hundred and forty nine, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself, Destin, and Shane, we are out of here. And makeup say, mm. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, nah, nah.